0: the nerves kind of like you, you
1: know, it's like when you're close to getting home like your body knows and if you have to go to the bathroom already you, gotta, oh, you yeah. have to go even worse can yeah. barely get your pants down <laughs> <laughs> at that point you're just ready to rip
0: it off and just like I don't yeah.
1: care
0: <laughs> <clears throat> uh, yeah no I've been in those situations that, that sucks yep well do we have any follow up oh uh, yeah we have some things to talk about from last episode
1: I okay think. I mean we have the, the holdover questions we do, but aside from that, is there follow up?
0: Define follow up. I have some things I wanted to oh, comment on from last week. Okay, that's fine. Um, and the, I don't know. I don't know how I want to phrase this or how it, what it ends up being, but it's just more of a kind of continuation of my thought process because I think I think Friday, and I stand by what I said on Friday, in terms of just my frustration level at the time and everything. It was very me being raw and emotional and just putting it all out there, my frustrations, because I was running on very little sleep. I had to deal with some things that I felt I shouldn't have, have had to deal with. But there's always two sides of the story. So I did have an opportunity to kind of interact with someone who, who is aware of the situation I was going through and offered, you know, some other perspectives to it. It didn't change how I felt or change how I thought, but it did make me aware of other situations that are occurring that, that you know, there's two sides to that story.
1: So this <clears throat> this is this segment is now going to be called John Backpedals." <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I stand by what I said. I stand by my frustration. I stand by the emotions I had at the time, but I think I think it's important to kind of always look back and be reflective of the things that were either were frustrating or the situation, especially after you've had a chance to sleep, relax, and look back on it, and just kind of gauge you know what where was the real issue because at the time, my emotions were very specific on this one thing that happened, but I mean, I'm gonna start I th- dinging you. Where's my Where's my bell? Oh yeah, for my sniffling. Sorry <laughs> again. It just hit me. I don't know why. I, I knew it was gonna happen. <clears throat> Throw a lawn dart at me or something. Yeah. I don't
1: know. Well, this is this is also why I um I try not to ever send an email when I'm emotional. Mm-hmm. I'll sometimes draft it.
0: Do you but do I, that but whole, I do not send do you, it. Do that write write an angry email, but not send it. Have you ever done that? Well, that is cathartic. I think yeah. it's good. It's good until you accidentally hit send.
1: Um. The key is don't fill in the two. Keep it empty. Yeah, (laughs) because I've accidentally sent before. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So
0: that did did encourage some discussion in terms of, you know, well, how how do you how do you deal with situations when you're working with you know people you either find frustrating or people that you find that you are having difficulties working with and. You know, there was also some discussion that I think that kind of inspired some of the ongoing discussion that we have about managing developers and how we work with developers and, you know, how do you mentor developers and all those kind of things. And I think one of my recommendations was the book that you recommended me, the PeopleWare book, which I thought was pretty good and really insightful on, on many different levels.
1: You recommended this book to someone?
0: hmm. That's good. On our Slack channel, yeah. Oh, okay. We've we've talked about, you know, different pieces of the book and we've, you know, we I think we we you I read it and then I think our intention was to kind of you know, talk about some highlights from it but we never got around to doing that. No,
1: and I wanted to reread it, I just haven't done it yet. <clears throat> it's not a long book.
0: No, yeah. right. No, I think I read it in one day. And, yeah, I
1: mean you could definitely read this over a weekend. Yeah. All right, so you, you know, you've you've had a chance to cool down a little bit. You've you kind of talked it out with someone and and did that change any of your conclusions or Change any of the facts? No, it didn't. Did it change your perception?
0: No, it didn't. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, I still feel very much that I was right on with my critique. Um, I wish I had said things a little bit differently because I was kind of very emotional. I threw the, the stupid and asinine words around quite a bit, but that was just me being emotional. That was me being raw. But I mean, overall, the situation in my critique, I still think is very valid and very fair of the situation that I was put into and the things that I had to go through to overcome that. From from what I remember from that, I mean, the I think the
1: biggest conclusion I drew was it just it's one of those you need to have the right people on the job, whatever that job is. And if you have people in that job who aren't the right people or who just frankly don't want to do that job, then it's not going to turn out well. And I think one one of the situations you described is basically it's someone that just really didn't even want to do the job. Yeah, Or they didn't want to do it in the right way. And it's just, you know, if someone doesn't have the, I mean, some of the stuff is hard. You know, it it's first and foremost, it takes will. Like, you have to want to do it and do it well. If you don't want to, then if you don't have the will, then you're it's, you're, you're not just going to, like, trip and, and come out with the right solution. Like, it's not going to happen. It's, you know, it's going to, again, be bubble gum and duct tape solution. Right.
0: <clears throat> Yeah, and I don't I don't know how much of that was ended up being just kind of the other side of the story of, you know, time availability, you know, all that kind of stuff and, and along with comfort level. Because I, I I do know that when you're getting into something that you haven't really done a lot of, it takes a lot more time, it takes a lot more effort because you're you're having to learn a lot of things as you go and and build it and get it to work. And, you know, when there's timelines involved and things like that, it, it could impact your ability to kinda do something, but I don't know. I, I'm a, I'm a very different person. I'm the kind of person that will will kind of stay up pretty late just to figure it out because it's just I I'll, I'll go to bed thinking about it. Yeah, and it, you know, I'm not going to sleep anyways. <laughs> You've already decided I'm not going to sleep. Might as well work all night. Well, no, it's not. It's not that. It's just that it's it's going on in my head, and as I'm trying to sleep, that's all I'm thinking about. And then I I'm like, oh, I want to go try this and see if if that works. And if it works, then that'll, that'll ease me and I can go to sleep. Right. It's just that weird psychological thing that my brain does right before I go to sleep. I have to distract it. It's a bridge over troubled waters. (laughs) I have to find ways to distract my brain. Yeah. All
1: right. Any other follow-up? No. Okay. So I was thinking we could do, since we didn't finish with questions, maybe continue those at the beginning here because I think towards the end we'll get into like well a couple of things one review our predictions from last year so you went and dug those up right and then also kind of a year in review just looking back at the year which I don't have a lot for but <clears throat> and then predictions for next year and then we can kind of close out with that
0: um, yeah and I have a few things that I'd like to toss in there um, a few discussion topics
1: but does it make sense to do, do questions first for last week and this week.
0: Yeah, let's do that. Okay.
1: So This is a, a, a relatively new thing where we, people can email us, info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. Yep. Questions, topic suggestions, or whatever. And, and if we uh, think we can have anything to add on it, we'll, we'll talk about it or we'll answer it. <clears throat> so in the, for the for your future reference, send us, send, us, send, us qu- send us your questions, send us your topics. Uh, if you don't, want to be uh, if you don't want your identity revealed just tell us and we won't say who you are or you know where you're from otherwise we'll probably we probably will um, so we got through like half of Dr. Nick's last time a lot of them we didn't so I thought we would continue there <clears throat> and I, I think I, I, I removed the ones that I think we covered so let me know if we already covered these okay but the first one here is um, so he says you know my entire career I've been a, a Salesforce you know quote developer unquote those are his quotes, not mine. He said, I don't know any other language well, and I've never done a, a project, a paid project, outside of Salesforce. Um, Jeremy mentioned the influx on Reddit of people asking what career they chose. Um, and he says, uh, from what I know of the industry, I'm terrified that Salesforce will crash, and I won't have applicable skills to go anywhere else. How important is an exit strategy? So I I say this is a two-part question. One is, you know, what happens when Salesforce crashes? And I don't. I mean, in terms of short term, I don't think you have to worry about that. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we've been riding this train for a decade, and yeah. it's you know, it still hasn't peaked, right? So there's they're still on the on the upswing, and I think they'll be on the upswing for for, for years to come. And then it will peak, and things will still be okay. But that's when rates might start to drop a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. And then you know the 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 decline. And I've seen that happen many times in other, <clears throat> in other ecosystems. And that's when, you know, the 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 vendor that controls everything starts keeping more deals for themselves and, and it's like what's the, what's the kind of it turns into a black hole. It starts sucking everything into it. Right. But right now, I mean Salesforce is still just throwing off literally billions of dollars a year and everyone's well, that's also why you see all this jackass is trying to jump into this business who don't know anything about it and whatever else. Um, because there's just all this money being thrown around everywhere. And any, you know, any uh, moron can get into this business and start making money, pretty much.
0: Um are well, not all morons. It's,
1: it's kind of like, uh, now why does this keep, hang on a second.
0: I, I'm I don't still think you're being having, fair to to the entrepreneurial spirit.
1: It's kind of like writing for Forbes. Any monkey with, with a set of <laughs> lipstick on their pig lips can write it for Forbes. So what are you saying <clears> about <throat> us? Yeah, maybe we're monkeys with lipstick. I don't know. That's <laughs> That's for inquiring minds to figure out
0: no but i agree i, th- I think i think w- i think we have we're still in a fairly good pos- good position with salesforce you know obviously you and i monitor salesforce pretty closely in terms of you know how they're doing numbers wise the kind of games they're playing with marketing and things like that and how that translates into something real and i think that's kind of what you need to do is just kind of be involved with the community kind of keep your thumb on the pulse to kind of understand you know where things are headed at least to the best of our ability yeah, you know, no one's got a magic eight ball that's going to tell us exactly what's going to happen.
1: Right, but I mean, I mean, Salesforce is still really well positioned, and mm-hmm. they're just, you know, they still have a a pretty solid growth rate. You know, how much of that is from acquisitions? You know, I don't know, but I, I think they're still growing um, organically at a, at a pretty decent clip. Sure. <clears throat> the second part of the question was, you know, how important is an exit strategy? Well, an exit strategy is important, and I think I made the comment last time, like if. In this in this scenario, where you know you kind of cut your teeth as a as a programmer on Salesforce, like the thing you should do is go learn something
0: else. But I, I don't necessarily see that as an exit strategy. I see that as just kind of you know evolving your your skills, your right. abilities. But, right. Right. I wouldn't call it an exit strategy
1: either. It's just diversifying yourself a little bit, yeah. so that, that's a better word, right? So that you can form an exit strategy if that becomes necessary.
0: But more than anything, I think I think diversifying yourself and kind of understanding other technologies makes you that much more valuable as a, as an individual, as a as a person who's out there trying to you know provide solutions for companies. That that perspective it gives you it gives you a better perspective on things. It gives you a different perspective. It gives you something to add to the conversation.
1: Yep, agree. <clears throat> okay, so the next question is what is the what is with the militant attitude and the perpetuation of the no code developer paradigm? I don't you know, I don't know about I mean I hear what he saying here. I'm sure it's a militant. It's definitely I, to me this is just a marketing driven thing. Yeah. I was gonna say I I This is simply that to sell licenses. Marketing. It's to exactly. it's to win deals. You know, if you if if Salesforce can go to you know to participate in a in a in a deal and Salesforce can say, Hey, you you know, you can extend our platform with all this what do they call it? Um you know, configurable, not met, metadata, um oh no, uh point d- declarative point and click, right? Yeah. You know, and it's and anyone can be a programmer on Salesforce platform. Uh, You know, what, and the question is, well, what's Microsoft's answer to that? What's Oracle's answer to that? And anyway, that's what Salesforce leads with. It's just a marketing strategy. There's not a lot of truth behind that. I mean, you can do a lot without having to program in Salesforce, but as with any system, once, you know, when you need to specify in detail um, logic that's, you know, non trivial and needs to be maintainable and scalable and everything, then it just turns out code's about, about the best way to do that these days so, I, yeah, I just think it's just marketing. Um, unfortunately, I think that has the effect of just mentally or psychologically putting d- uh, or taking focus away from actual programming, which is why the actual programming tools and the experience in Salesforce have historically gotten short shrift.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. so we have this DX initiative, which the idea is to start bringing some focus back to programmer-type stuff. So we'll see what happens, but... I think it's just marketing. Do you?
0: Agree? Yeah, no, I, yeah. I agree, hundred percent. It's just marketing. Okay. Asks us ten billion, or is it twenty billion now?
1: It, yeah, it's definitely moved on to twenty billion, but we know the mantra. <clears throat> um, next question: I want to contribute to the Salesforce community. What is the best way to go about it? None. I think this main stop for profits seem to ignore you salesforce.org is salesforce internal users only and everyone and their mom has a blog and stack exchange questions get answered so quickly that the answers <laughs> the answered button has whiplash uh, is there room for it uh, somewhat related but why did you start this cast and do you feel the goals were met okay so the first one is I mean what can I what can I do to create something that I can just give to people that's useful and you know help people out but also you know, I'm assuming the 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 other side of that is to just build some reputation for yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. That's you know the community is kind of a um, it's it's one of those things that it's kind of it's gotten gamified to a certain extent. I mean there there are a lot of people out there competing for that that number the the number of answers. Oh, given yeah.
1: Well, on, and on the Salesforce official forums, it's like everyone's always asking you know please vote this question or please select this question as the best answer or whatever. And it's yeah. like you know what if it's the best answer I'll select it. If not, then shut up. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's great that people are out there, you know, answering questions and things like that, and I'm not knocking that, but I do feel like a certain amount of it has been gamified to, for people who want to make a name for themselves, uh, (laughs) that that are really kind of trying to really game that system and and just you know, ping as many times as they can. Yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, I think
1: overall, you know, the the
0: addition of the stack
1: exchange site that was that was good because I, I think the I think a Q&A format site is good for most of these ecosystems. So I think that's fit really well.
0: Yeah, I wasn't uh, too, I wasn't too happy with it going to to its own stack. I kind of preferred it being in as a topic in the in the global stack, but
1: well, except I think you know, if you look at Stack Exchange's own regulations for how you even first of all like become a beta site and then aren't they out of beta now, right? It's a it's a full-fledged top-level Stack Exchange site. So I mean, I think the numbers would would disagree with you on that. I guess. I mean, it's well, in terms of at least it's, it's certainly big enough and active enough to be its own stack exchange
0: side. Sure. I guess that makes sense in those terms. I I think for me, it was just this, I felt like I was getting well-served, you know, as it was. And then it transitioned to this kind of more private model. And then I felt like the gamification thing started happening there. I kind of felt like, okay, now we're, now we're the same as the other communities where there's a bunch of people just tossing answers out. And, I didn't feel like people were reading the questions very well. They were just tossing out really quick answers or or tossing out links to something. They they didn't really understand, they didn't really take the time to understand what the question was. And you know, a lot of times in order to help someone, especially when it comes to programming, you kind of had to have some thought put into how you answer the question or how you respond to it. And seeing these kind of like really rapid-fire responses just made me feel like it just wasn't the place for me to have some really good answers, or even discussions. Well, obviously, it's not a discussion platform, so that won't happen, but...
1: Except it kind of does sometimes. And well, that's one thing I've noticed is I don't think that moderation is as strict on Salesforce's Stack Exchange than than Stack Overflow. Mm. That's an example. I mean, I've noticed that <clears throat> just... I know, I know all these had to get a lot of low-quality answers, but on Stack Overflow, they get sunk really fast, whereas on the Salesforce Stack Exchange, there's just still a ton of Low quality questions. And just tons of this, you know, you can tell it's either I'm doing my homework, please answer this, or you know, somebody has outsourced this big project to my company and
0: none of us know Salesforce pretty much, or we're all these junior guys and we're trying to figure things out. It's well, it gets worse than that. I mean, you get people pretty much just asking for code. Right. I mean, I I need code to do this. Can someone send me some code? Yep. I copied and pasted your code and it didn't work. What did you do wrong?
1: <laughs> your code doesn't work. I copied and pasted it just as you had it. It didn't work.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think it, going back to well, let's pop the stack here. Okay. <laughs> going back to the question, you know, what what can you? What I I I think do anything. Do what you want to do. If you feel like you want to write, then write. If you feel like you want to put your voice out there, then then start a podcast. If you feel you want to do something with video, then then get on YouTube. I, yep. You know, whatever you do, someone might find value in it in the way that you approach a topic, the way you present it. I wouldn't worry that there's, you know, a a thousand blogs or a hundred podcasters out there. Just put yourself out there and find your voice more than anything, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, what, you know, what type of medium do you think you'd be more comfortable with? And just do something, you know, start something. Um, And just keep at it for a while and, and give yourself a... I guess a goal like you're. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for this many weeks. I'm going to do this this many times, and see what you learn and
0: see how you liked it. And if, it, if you're enjoying it, keep doing it. And if not, switch to something else. And if you fail to meet your goals, just set new goals, like we did. We were right. We were supposed to be a weekly <laughs> weekly podcast when we started, and we were doing what twice a month, right? Just because we it was it was a struggle to find the time to kind of carve out that time until we really kind of dedicated the time and found some kind of cadence with that. And then also the way we prepared for topics and the way we edited the show. You know, we used to heavily edit. We'd we'd just go off on some tangents, say something, and then mark it to be edited out type stuff. And so we were heavily edited. Well, now
1: we're just lazy. We just leave all that crap in. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think we just got better. We got into more of a rhythm and we're able to kind of put this together and discuss our topics and and move on. We've gotten more efficient at it.
1: Yeah. I mean, when we started, we were terrible. Now we're just kind of bad. So,
0: <laughs> speak for yourself. Yeah. I'm awesome.
1: Um, okay. Let's see. Where were we? This may be a John question because I'm not. Okay. Future, which I think, assuming the like the future, what are those called in Salesforce? It's just futures, I guess. Yeah. A- Annotation versus queuable versus batch. Sure. Is the question, what's the difference? That is, it's just compare and contrast. And well, I haven't done queuables yet. So I, so I have. Okay. And queuables,
0: they are what they are. You, you execute them. Oh, that they we're get done. Queued. The conversation's done. They are what they are. <laughs> <laughs> they are what they say they are. They're cueable jobs.
2: They are what we thought they were. <clears throat>
0: they're they're kind of like batch jobs, but you can queue them up. They, they get processed whenever Salesforce is, is about to do them. They're a little bit higher in this, the priority stack than batch jobs. Um, but also with queueables, you can chain, you can, you can actually call, you can start a queueable and then from that you can, you can chain another queueable action and you can keep chaining yeah. those. Um, another thing that you can do is it does. In manage- future you can't do that, right? No, you can't chain in future and you can't chain in, uh, yeah, you can't really chain in batch. I think you can like call, you can like reschedule a batch, which is how people were trying to chain batchables. Mm. So they would okay. reschedule their batch job to run right after the other one finished. It's
1: kind of weird, but you but you can't do the database execute batch, I guess, right right yeah,
0: because yeah. you're already in that context and Salesforce prevents you from calling it within that context so um with future methods you you can only use uh very very simple data types, so like a list of IDs or, or things like that you couldn't do like a you couldn't pass it a set of objects like an s object or your own your own list of objects
1: and I think that's just a performance optimization like they don't want to keep you know a massive object graph in memory. But they will let you keep, you know, a list of simple things or just a simple thing.
0: And I think that was the original intent. But, you know, as as people started using it and had certain needs, queueables came about to kind of solve for that. So you can actually present it with data. Because what you do is you you encapsulate the data that you're passing in into your queueable class as a constructor and it becomes a property and then that can be serialized and that state gets serialized and stored. And so that when it runs, it has it available Another issue, one of the reasons they didn't want to do that is because they were worried about state changing between the time yeah. the execution happened and when it happened. So you sent your cubal object, you know, account name was, was industry one or something, and then someone changed it, and by the time your thing runs, that's not what that account name is. Um, but I think there was enough use cases that that showed that we still needed this type of technology. Yeah. That We understand that that could be an issue, but we still need it because we're not worried about that part, we need to do the XYZ.
1: Not on the surface, features are easy to use. I mean, they're lightweight, it's just you know, a matter of annotating a static method on, on a class. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much it. Whereas you know, batches, at least you, know, you have to implement an interface, and right. it's got to be based on, a, you have to either provide a query locator or some kind of iterable,
0: right? Right. <clears throat> and with um, you can. it can just be some arbitrary piece of code, it doesn't have to rely on any kind of iterable occurring. And it it does there is an interface you have to implement but it's only one execute method And
1: dummy does queueable batch like like batch does. Like no. Batch splits are you know something up into chunks right. for the purpose for just the sole purpose of getting around limits, right? right. does not that's not what queueable's goal is.
0: No, no. Okay. It, it's it's goal is to kind of, you know, take a block of code or functionality that you want to execute, you know, within its own context separate from you know say querying que- que- through 100,000 records and All things like right.
1: that. I'm going to sum this up. So future if you don't need to chain these things and if it's on if it's not on a large set of data. Cubele if you need to chain these things to each other and and want to pass something other than simple state around in them. Right. And batch if you if it, if you're processing processing across a lot of records where you need them split up for limit purposes, right? All
0: right okay uh just oh, an, to, yep. another another advantage of qble sorry okay <laughs> is it does provide a job back so a lot of times if you're trying to offload the wait time for for a particular action on your visual force page or something that you're doing with user interaction um, because it returns a job versus asynchronous future calls which it's a fire and forget right there, there is no feedback mechanism with qable say I have a a button and I press it and it's going to take you know three seconds to run well you don't want you don't want the browser to wait for that because it'll time out. So what you do is you execute a queueable, it returns a job ID, you can pull for that job ID, and then get the status. So it's a great way to kind of offload um, some of that work so that it's kind of done background and asynchronously versus... Uh, You mentioned
1: that queueables are prioritized higher in the queue than batches. Is that, you know that for certain? Or is that just hearsay or something you've noticed?
0: Uh, Well, at this point in time... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's been a while, but I was pretty sure that when they came out, that was one of the things I read and understood about it. So I, I, I might be wrong. I, I could be wrong, but that's been my understanding. It stuck with me, so I'd have to go and reread just to make sure I'm not lying. But now,
1: I used to treat batch jo- batch jobs like that. So I would, um, you might have some kind of interface where a user does something that that starts a batch job, right, and then have something on the screen that shows them. Especially if you know it's not going to be a, a giant batch, something that could be executed in the matter in a matter of like say fifteen or twenty seconds,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I could just keep them on that screen and just pull. And usually the job would kick off in two or three seconds, and then would be done in fifteen seconds. And so mm-hmm. it's great to just they can stay right there. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, it takes about as long as finishing a credit card transaction does. Right. But now we've had the problem of batch jobs, depending on which pod you're on, can take fifteen minutes just to start, and so. I would complete that. Completely changes how I would design that the user experience at that at that point.
0: Yeah, and I think I think I I want to say I'm pretty sure about that because I think at the time I started looking at Cuebles when they came out, I was actually doing what you what you said. I I would kick off a batch job, monitor it, and there are times where it would take you know almost forever to hmm. finish. In fact, you could actually exit my screen and come back into it because it would it would cookie the the job ID, so I'd able to pick back up and and find it and see where it was at. I yeah. mean, that's how long it took.
1: Okay, next one. Just to get angry, I think about Salesforce support coming back and telling you to submit a bug to ideas and to get your friends to vote for it as a legitimate case response. Yeah, I mean, I think we've covered this. We Salesforce does not know how to support developers or development efforts. And again, that's a part of something I would expect DX to at least have on their radar as something to improve. Yeah, that's I mean, if you're if you're going to have something called App Cloud and called a platform as a service, then you should know how to support something in the that in the in an appropriate way and I just think right now they they kind of don't. And I've had now I've never had like any of these super high end support things, but I I've got had several clients that are, that are on let's say a premier support,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which doesn't really address the developer thing. I I do think you might get if you do submit a developer case, um, I think you might get well, first of all, there's, a, there's a I think, a two-hour response time. Mm-hmm. And I think it might go directly to developer tier one instead of having to go through something else. I don't know. But it's, it's, it's really not that different. And then uh, partners get, if you log a case to the partner portal and you, you, know, you have a partner account, um, you get a little bit of a better response than if you're just a normal Salesforce customer.
0: Yeah, I think ISVs and then partners do have a separate channel uh, and, and customers depending on how big you are you can work out certain kind of support deals um when i was doing something for an enterprise company we had a lot of issues with support it's in particular with me because i would i'd have some very specific needs i'd find a bug or something there was a major issue and i was having to go through tier 1 tier 2 until i got to tier 3 to get the support i needed and um we worked it out to where i could go directly to tier 3 with my requests okay yeah and that's that's a good negotiating point too. You know, if, when it's time to
1: you know sign a new Salesforce contract, and Salesforce says, "Hey, we'd like you to sign a three year contract this time." You know th- you should have a list of negotiating points, and one of them is some stuff like that, but if that's important to your your company yeah. or your organization, hey, okay, well, we'll we'll think about doing a three year. But you know, we'd like to have our developer requests go automatically to tier three. And
0: well, I think it took a little bit of proving on both sides. Like they had to prove I wasn't some. Some junior guy that was going to toss over. How do I, how do I save a, a that's file? True. No, <laughs> I
1: know. But so, on the other was, hand, on the, the other hand, you're at a company that's giving Salesforce millions of dollars a year. I mean, true. You you should get something for that.
0: No, I agree. I mean, we, we should be able to get good support, but at the same time, this the the support that we're requesting shouldn't be mundane things like you know I can't save my record. What did yeah. I do wrong? How do you install in Eclipse? Right. <laughs> but no,
1: I mean, I, there's been cases, lots of cases where. I've got what's pretty clearly, I mean, prima facie, a, a Salesforce bug. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get this to their the proper teams at engineering, R&D, whatever they call it, because it's clearly some kind of bug. And the tier one guy says, not only does he not even, he, I say he, he, she, whoever, not only do they not have any ability to even discern whether that is a, a bug in the platform or not, but their answer is just, well, you should go, you need to go log that on our forums and get support there. It's like what? No, I'm trying to help you here. I'm trying to get information about a bug in your product to the right people. Like, yeah. don't shut the door on me before you even understand what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, this yeah, is
1: really frustrating. That's, t- that's tough. I mean, and, and and let's get back to Salesforce. Really doesn't have a, a public bug tracker. I mean, they have the what's it called? no issue? Is it the, the no yeah, on, on, yeah? But that's that's not their bug tracker. That's not what they're working from I mean I'm sure it feeds into it somehow there's some kind of connection there between the that known issues and their actual bug tracker but and it's good they have that I mean that thing's pretty useful
0: but it's, yeah. but I think it's geared more towards you know the the point and click side of thing the citizen developer side of things I, I think I feel like really hope I feel like I've seen
1: developer stuff on that though I mean
0: there, there is okay. but I you know most of the stuff in there is is stuff that's been reported by customers or you know by admins and things like that it, it's it's rare that a real bug gets kind of in there. Yeah,
1: and it's stuff that they're willing to have publicly yeah. listed. So, And I don't know. I mean, they, they run a proprietary closed source system. I mean, I don't know how much you could ha- actually have a public bug tracker. Yeah, you no, know, I don't know. Maybe you could. I mean, it, Apple does it, right? The, their whole radar system. That is a bug tracker that I think that Apple engineers work off of. Hmm. It's just split into those things that have come in publicly versus there's a private side to it as well, I think. Anyway, all right. Uh, Salesforce University, which is probably an illegal name in a lot of states. Uh, hundred bucks a year for a cert, three hundred bucks for an exam. Uh, Filling with the inability to even see which area you went wrong in. Uh, old questions, garbage web assessor system. Um, compare. I think he's comparing this to Trailhead, which is free and more relevant and applicable. Why is one considered a revenue stream, and is beyond measure just garbage? Uh, when I wouldn't hesitate to pay ten to twenty bucks a month for Trailhead, wouldn't the natural progression be a Trailhead for the various certs? Well, maybe we are seeing that progression. I think we are. I don't know that Trailhead's ready to completely take over what WebAssessor does. WebAssessor does look like it was built twenty years ago, and I think it was. And I don't think it's been changed. I don't think that. I don't think a line of code in that system has been changed. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and and as long as you and I've been doing this, we've we've seen major changes to to how they certify in terms of what's offered for certifications, how they conduct the certifications, how they conduct training. Training? Yeah. Try to do that in air quotes.
1: I mean, listen, as a company like Salesforce grows, they gain leverage and power, and market power. Um, and they're going to change how they work with partners, what it takes to be a partner, how much money they're going to pay you, how much money you're going to pay them. It's always going to change as the as your relationship with Salesforce changes, and if you've been in this business long enough, you have seen your relationship with Salesforce change,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's pretty much changed in the in the way of they have more power over you, and you have to do more for them. <laughs> but that's just business. That's just the way it works. I mean, you can so either. I, I
0: think I think the point being made is that you know Trailhead is great great for kind of learning and getting that hands on experience because you're going through these exercises, and you're you're it's not just reading something and, and in theory memorizing it. Um. Versus, I don't want to paint that broad of a brush, but a lot of times the only people that really care about the certifications are those of us doing consulting and working as a partner. And then Salesforce puts a certain amount of value on that in terms of your your level, whether you're what tier you're on as a partner. And so they've kind of made the community care about those certifications. Um, But it it it's definitely not a learning tool. It's not a feedback mechanism. It's not like you. Take a test and get a grade back, and say, "Here's the, the areas you failed at. Go work on this some more, and then come back." You know, it's it's just more of a, "Do you know what you're talking about yeah. or not?" Pass, fail,
1: and and to his point, I mean, the problem with that is it doesn't help you a whole lot. I mean, a lot of us fail these tests the first or second times we take them. That's yeah. very common. So don't feel bad if you failed a test, right? Yeah, everybody fails them. Um, but the question is, the problem is it doesn't it doesn't really help you that much. It's not a very friendly system. It's like, okay, I failed, which is super disappointing. But I get it. I'm. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna, you know, double down and study again and, tr- and try this thing again. But I, I have no idea where to start. Yeah. Like, I mean, now, I mean, well, this practice it, at this point, the body like of knowledge better. of these some of these exams is huge. It's like you can't, you can't just shotgun it again. You really need to know like, there are what. People who have. I mean, I'm just saying, it, it really helps. Would help to know what you got wrong. But one thing I'd also say, I mean, look how buggy and crashy Trailhead is. I mean, there are still just. I haven't spent enough time with it. Oh me. yeah, I mean, there's just things that don't work or sometimes it's down or, and, and that would, that isn't, I mean, you cannot run a, a a full-on LMS system on that. And I think, I don't think that's the goal. I think that's why Trailhead has been, Trailhead's definitely been on the agile path, right? I mean, i feel like they've got a whole team that's just constantly improving that, pushing out updates, plus the content's constantly updating, and the richness of the trail and, and interactivity of the trailhead content blows WebAssessor out of the way. Now, the corollary to that, the side, other side of that coin, is that you're going to have to deal with issues. Yeah, It's going to have bugs that they're going to have to work out because it's changing so fast. WebAssessor does not change, but it also doesn't crash in the middle of your test. Hopefully, <laughs> it doesn't. I've never seen it crash. I've never even heard of people complain about that, so.
0: Yeah, but there's a difference between learning something, taking a tutorial, mm-hmm. taking a demo, and gaining some kind of understanding and knowledge and maybe a skill. Right. And in, in terms of academia getting a certification that says you are rated this to, to handle this.
1: Yeah, and Web Assessor has a smaller scope. It's, it's just to test your knowledge, whereas Trailhead is a much more widely scoped program mm-hmm. that when you got a Dreamforce, the entire Dreamforce is branded as Trailforce. What's it called? Trailforce? Trail, no. trailhead. trailhead. Right, The whole thing's branded as Trailhead. This is a huge program that's like it's going to cover all the learning. It's a selling tool. It's a learning tool. It's a career tool. I mean, now it's, people are saying that the, some of these Trailhead badges are more important than certifications are. I'm seeing all these partners now re, who used to only require certifications now require people to go get badges. Mm. so and and I and probably eventually maybe I don't know but it wouldn't surprise me at all if it also became that final step which is the proving your knowledge part yeah that makes sense I mean we still you still prove it in terms of getting the badge but it, that's still so far not the 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 official certification that's a different thing right but I no I think so let me go back to the question I think that we are seeing that progression it just hasn't completed yet yeah um, next one is from friend of the show, Jay Janarthanen. One of the areas I'm struggling with is to come up with a way to organize code when we do not have namespaces. Yes, this is... <laughs> it's, it's, it's Groundhog Day for the past 10 years. It's just, <laughs> I posted this on the Slack code channel, okay? Because so I think we might have already talked about this, at least uh, in, the, in the Slack. He said, I, I'd like to code or I'd like to group um, DTOs and exceptions into their own classes. But uh, well known MMA fighter and Salesforce consultant Chuck Liddell suggested I should organize by function. Um, okay, so he's saying so DTO, that's a data transfer object. They're basically just dumb data holding a mm-hmm. data holding class. Uh, and you might have exceptions related to getting and You know, pulling and pushing these data transfer objects. And he's saying, how do you group those? I don't know if I'd group it by DTO. I think I would have my my that data layer, the Yeah, I would have that data layer have probably a set of exceptions that are related to this the operations of pushing and pulling data, you know, the your CRUD operations. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think, I don't know if I've ever seen a situation where my account DTO, I had specific exceptions for. The account DTO. I mean, yes, there are things about an account that are different than a user or or whatever, but in general, the operation of just crudding these things, they're gonna have the same exceptions. Yeah, I think Or at, at least types. I mean, you can put you can categorize what went wrong into one of your five exceptions that applies to any of the DAOs.
0: Yeah, I think what he might be trying to do though is gain more context on the record that failed. So if you if you're if you're if your data is kind of so deep, your actual CRUD operation is really deep. How do you gain context on the object that actually failed? Because a lot of times with the exceptions, you get an ID and the the status and the failure, but you don't necessarily know anything about that record because it it's a different call chain. Um, what I've done in the past is, I, I just you know use a generic S object in my exception class so that I can pass back or bubble up that record that failed. <clears throat> but it's an S object and I just have to cast it. So then at least to get the context of what record failed and have a little more context.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> and and then I would also just ask yourself the question, am I overcomplicating this? Should I just use, uh, what does Salesforce calls them? Um,
0: DM, is it DML exception? Right? Mm-hmm. And just let those bubble up. I mean, it just depends on your app. Yeah. But I can understand wanting to abstract things a certain way and kind of, you know, wrap things. But I think, I think that might be getting too granular when you try to, you know, have an exception type for every one of your DTOs that you know a more higher level class you know and, and if you need that context it, it, assuming that's what you're trying to do if you need that context on the actual records that you have can manipulate a bit more you know you know try to try to abstract it a little bit more with you know a generic yeah, S you, object or something and you
1: have to balance like your level of abstraction the depth of your abstractions with the fact that this is a platform in which there's one persistence mechanism there's probably only going to ever be one and it has built into that um, things like uh, setting up test harnesses for you and making sure that none of your test data bleeds into the code. right? Um, and, the, and also the fact that, again, back to, you know, you don't have namespaces, so you have this one collision domain, one namespace. And is it worth polluting that up with a bunch of exception classes? I mean, what, is, what are those really, are they buying you that much? If they are buying you a lot, then fine. I'm just saying, think
0: about that. Yeah. So going back to the the group things by DTO or group things by function, I'm curious about. Well, he says what, he's talking about grouping them by
1: DTO slash exception. Oh no, he says I like to I like to group DTO slash exception into their own classes. Okay,
0: group group them. I don't. I'm not actually sure what he means by that. So, I, I think for me, when I write a class, it, it, it's for a specific function. Let's say it's a class that. Um, I don't know. Sends sends a bunch of emails or something. Does some notification email sender. Email sender. Okay. Um. So it's it's its own entity of block of functionality, and within that, if I have exceptions, there'll be inner classes. There'll be classes within that. It's it's either an exception or it could just be a, a data structure. Of something. So that what if you have an around.
1: exception that can apply to s- several different sender things? You know.
0: Th- those th- that's I do, when it I, could become a top level exception maybe yeah class? a lot okay. of times they'll start out as an inner class and then I'll find I'm using it in multiple places and I'll move it back up yeah. and just change everything else it's refactored out oh no sorry <laughs> manually change everything else by hand not gonna happen
1: but yeah uh, okay most of the time uh, you guys have to work with clients who have existing employees who are pissed the client has bought into doing their business because they can't so the topic is how to work with people who are hard to work with. So he's saying he goes into a client they've hired him because their own staff you know doesn't have the time capabilities whatever to to do this work and so now they're being hard to work with. Hmm. That's tough. You know again the, the people problems are always the hardest the technology problems are usually not the hard problems it's, it's always the people problem. Um, this is one just I think instance of that or one type of way this can kind of manifest itself. Um, you know I don't know I've Feel like over t- most situations I've gone into like that over time I'm able to work chip away at those types of people. Um, once they know that you know you're not you know Satan spawn, mm-hmm. and you're just uh, you're just same as them. Just you're just trying to do your job, and that you're not going to throw them under the bus. You can actually develop kind of a level of trust with them. Um, make uh make them a part of decisions, seek their advice, make them, you know, value their opinion.
0: No, and most most people soften up. I agree they do. I mean it, it's a rare occurrence where someone just just refuses to to try to collaborate or work together. I mean, I I am in a situation where I'm working with another consulting company as well. Yeah, don't there's be, actually two or three and, and we've actually found a way to kind of communicate. Yeah. and work together surprisingly. <laughs> Even though we're competing for the same dollars. Yeah, there's,
1: you know, it's, it's a big ocean, man. There's, there's lots of lots of opportunities. Um, so yeah that one's kind of easy I guess just give it time but you know value them communicate with them make them a part of the decisions it's just I don't know fairly standard psychological tactics I guess All right, that's the questions Um, well there's no there's one final question which is what
0: uh,
1: people want to know what we got each other for Christmas (laughs) (laughs) well actually you know what
0: that that reminds me I did want to follow up because when when Matt gave us his question about, you know, if money was no object. It was kind of on oh, the yeah. spot, and I kind of took a shot at something. But I do have a better answer. Well, we should remind people what was said for
1: that. Can we, should we do that now?
2: Sure. I don't have you a have. clip
1: ready. No, but, but Matt, just, um, said, uh, you know, yeah, his question, if, if, you, if money was no object, what would you get? And, and you have said that you would get me a 4K, uh, one of these fancy 4K, ultra-fine LG, you know, Thunderbolt 3 monitors that, <laughs> that Apple sells. Well, I have a different answer. But yeah, that, that's that's what I said. <laughs> okay. All right. So, what's your what's your revised answer?
0: Our revised answer is because it's something I've been trying to get you to do for a while now, but you haven't had time. Uh-oh. And that is a, a week long guys. Clean up my
1: half of the office. <laughs> a week long
0: guys trip. You know, oh, yeah. Tour some breweries. Go go and have some fun. Just be guys for a week. Well, first of all, a week ain't never happening. <laughs> Maybe a weekend. You need to
1: aim a little bit lower, and you might have success, John. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But I mean, I, that's, that's something to, no, that would like, be I've cool. been trying
1: to get you to do that for forever, but it, it just hasn't been in the conversation. You know what? Part of it, I have to admit, part of it is every time you talk about like, it's a camping thing. That's what I'm like.
0: It doesn't yeah. have to be a camping thing. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. What, what else do you do if you want to, you know, let's go out and tour some breweries. Let's go and, you know, find some place to hang out. Camping to me, it's not really camping. It's like finding a lodge somewhere or something where we can just kind of sit and hang out and drink and be guys you Yeah, know, burp and fart or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting separate beds though. Oh, okay. okay. (laughs) Spooning going on.
1: And I don't want to wake up with you trying to get in my bed
0: either. Well, now this is getting (laughs) awkward. All
1: right. Um, Okay. So, yeah. So, what we got each other for Christmas. So, my plan was to um, make John an awesome steak for Christmas and to give him a big old hug, which I did. Several hugs. So, yeah. So, (laughs) Friday, I had a. we had a little little gathering at the house in which we cooked a big ass prime rib. Yeah, that was huge. So a bunch of good food, you know, um, good times, good, good, beer, food, good, good beer, good wine. Good beer, good wine. A lot of great wine. Yeah. But John walks in. John, a smart ass, takes that, con- that <laughs> throwaway comment about getting me that monitor and walks in with a damn monitor in his hand. By the way, a monitor which is not even available. I called Apple today and they checked all 12 stores around here. All twelve Apple stars, n- zero inventory, and on their website it says you can't get it for six months. Yeah. Well, somehow that day was that Friday? Friday. You go to the Apple store, and they just happen to have one. It's like it's hiding somewhere, and you got it. Yeah, and that's what John got me for Christmas. So I break the de- Christmas crowds for you. John definitely wins the Christmas pre- the Christmas gift award this year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but on average, we really don't really do much. Like for our birthdays, we will have. Long, no. We've just known each other for so long. Yeah. There's really nothing to get each other. So it's usually like a lunch or something. It just every so often we'll get this bright idea. Yeah. I think one year for Christmas you got us all these um uh oh crap, what are they? The thing you put in the drinks. Put in the drinks? Yeah, the aromatics uh Oh bitters. Bitters. Okay, yeah, you got us some oh, bitters I? and things okay. like that. I think a few tools. Okay. Bar tools. I don't know. Every, every once in a while, we get a bright idea, so doing something, and we'll we'll yeah. get get each other something. But
1: I did really bad this year. Like we didn't send out cards this year. We okay. we try to. I don't know. We, we're about 50-50 on cards. Like there's a 50-50 chance that we'll get cards out. Didn't happen this year.
0: <laughs> You'll find them a month later sitting in a
1: corner. No, we didn't even
0: didn't print them n- up. Yeah, didn't print anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so I have something I want to bring up. Um, I I was actually because we're on. Oh, you know what? Whenever we do our list of words to ban, which which we had a lot of fun doing last time, I think we should do that again. The word actually has gotten really annoying, and I noticed it in the most oddest of places. I was watching um Science Channel or something, and it's all these scientists talking about like space and things like that, and they were using the word actually over and over.
1: Okay, so this is another one that I am um, I can't I have been guilty of, but it's also one of these words that I notice when people overuse it because it. It can become a really bad crutch word. It's yeah. just as bad as like just saying um, which I'm terrible at, or or so, or any of these other things. Right. And it's it's also it's almost meaningless. It is. People I mean, are saying yeah yeah I no I I actually plugged the Ethernet cable in and then the browser came up and I actually just typed into Google. Well, quit saying actually. That yeah. We get it. You didn't <laughs> pretend to do any of those things.
0: Um, so actually
1: <laughs> actually <laughs> Oh worse. So actually. <laughs> so actually.
0: I was about to say actually so is another word. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna be able to get through this without no. saying those words. Well, because these the are things we're guilty of. That's what it is. that's what makes it burn even worse. Yeah. Well, I was catching up on podcasts and I and Matt Morris happened to publish one this month. Matt uh, did? Yeah. Oh really? Under the technology flows brand? Yeah, th- actually I think it was last week or something. I didn't um, see it, and it was with Peter Coffey. I guess he was at the London event or something. Uh-huh. And I, I just wanted to kind of talk about the topic in general. Um, so, so Matt's got this show. He does interviews. So, <laughs> so Matt has this show. He does interviews. <laughs> yeah. I say it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he had Peter Coffey, and I noticed something about about Peter, and that he's really good at what he does. And what he does is he he talks. He he talks. He kind of. When you're listening to him, you're kind of inspired, you kinda you, you kinda get these 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 ideas. Your brain starts, you know, expanding. And then you get back to reality and you're going, really?
1: See, I don't have the experience with him. I, the experience I have with him is he'll talk for thirty minutes, then I'll think to myself, what did he just say?
0: <laughs> well, here here's the situation. He, he's very
1: so. good with the the um talking about really abstract idea concepts. Exactly. So but I don't know what to do with those so I usually lost well, and that,
0: that's the thing I realized that you know we were talking about future state of technology or they were they were talking about the future state of technology and you know you know how you know science science um, science fiction writers you know how the things the ideas that they had about what the future would like and what actually transpired and the things that they they didn't see coming that that, that came and then and then somewhere in the conversation of, of all this you know kind of really great kind of future talk um, there's a dotted line to Salesforce or there's like a little small, a tiny thread to to Salesforce and it's innovation or or whatever. And this kind of that. And I was like, those lines are really tenuous. They're very, they they shouldn't exist because that, that, it, they don't, they don't merge. They don't come together. It's not like the Apple iPhone that, that really transformed how we communicate or how we, you know, how we compute on the go, how we learn, how we interact, you know, it, Salesforce was great in terms of the cloud and all that kind of stuff, but it wasn't as transformational as say that. So I think, I think you're picking
1: nits here on this no, one. No,
0: no. In the same conversation of talking about Apple and the innovations of mobile technology and the accessibility of bandwidth, which here in the States and, and maybe in, in other places, it's really great. But if you get to rural places, it's not that great. So, you know, we're, we're kind of the one percenters of the internet here. Those of us that have, you know, bandwidth to spare. Yeah. You know, we all 10 of us can run Netflix in our house type situation. Yep. So... It, it, he was having these conversations, and the reason I bring up Apple is because that was one part of the conversation. And I, I just felt like it was really kind of out of place. Like he was, at, while he was still talking about the future and and all this kind of stuff, he was still selling Salesforce at the same time.
1: Yeah, I mean that's his job—is to dazzle you and then connect out to Salesforce. Yeah,
0: and I, I was going to say, I mean, he's really great at that. It's it's a great listen. Yep. It was a great show to listen to. Um, but at the same time, at you know, as my brain started processing it, I was like, oh, it was kind of a sales pitch.
1: I mean, Salesforce employs. Well, that, yeah, that that is his job. It's just yeah. to be constantly given a sales pitch. Um, Salesforce employs a, a number of these, like futurist type, mm-hmm. and some of them self styled futurists, yeah. um, to
0: sit around and you know dazzle you and. Well, it, it, yeah, and I mean, it, even at Dreamforce, the year that we did go, um, there there was there was a lot, quite a few sessions with you know science fiction authors and those that. You know, we're talking about the future and the future of technology and they were kind of doing the same thing. They would talk about the future and all these really great abstract ideas and, and, you know, the kind of dancing around the politics around all that kind of stuff and, you know, utopia and all that kind of stuff. And then at some point there would be like some dotted line of Salesforce, yeah. the cloud or something. And it just, it, it, it it's like, it took you out of it. You know, and that's the way I felt. It took oh, me out of it. Okay. It took me out of this. Ruin the mood. It took me out of the <laughs> idea of, okay, we're talking about the future. We're talking about all these great advances and, you know, what's 10 years going to look like? And then you shoehorn Salesforce and then I'm like, oh, crap. Now you just ruined it for me. Yeah, <laughs> right. But that's just the way my brain was not, working.
1: At, not, it, uh, two years ago at Dreamforce, I did sit in on one of these sessions with one of their futurist guys. And I mean, I really think this is a really smart guy. And he obviously knew some hardcore stuff. But I, I really think that some of these guys really do I mean, I think in such big pictures and advanced, you know, concepts that are a little, to me, they're they're future enough that it's foggy. It's too foggy to me. It's hard for me mm-hmm. to, so to me, to sit there and listen to them, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And I would have no doubt they're really smart. But there's definitely a some kind of sloppily drawn line between people who are really smart like that, and they are able to grasp and start making connections between these, you know, strange concepts mm-hmm. and people who are just basically BSing. Yeah, and I'd, sometimes it's hard to tell one from the other. Yeah, <laughs> you listen to it long enough, you can you can start figuring it out, though.
0: Yeah, but I I see I see that point, but I don't necessarily think that you know the conversation with Peter was BSing. I don't think the convers the conversations I heard at Dreamforce were BSing. I just think it was these conversations where they felt like okay, you didn't hear any BSing at Dreamforce. did would say that. Okay, I'm talking about with these these the the sessions that involved the futurists and the, the science fiction writers and and even this conversation with Peter Coffey is. We're having this really great discussion, I'm enjoying it, and then you threw Salesforce in the mix. and I understand that's your job and you know you're trying to tout Salesforce, but it kind of really took me out of it because it was such a tenuous connection to, to cloud, to the innovation that, that occurred because it almost seemed like it wouldn't have happened without Salesforce, but it, it was already happening. We already had web applications, we already had all these things to do things now Salesforce did a lot to advance that and did a lot to advance the, the trust factor in terms of being able to say, okay yeah, I'll give you all my data take care of it for me. Yeah. You know, they did a lot of work on that, but in terms of like, you know, transformational, you know, things like the iPhone, when you compare it to that, it just, it's hard to compare to that. Mm. Yeah. So for me, it kind of took me out of the conversation to kind of, to hear that, but yeah, know, maybe it's just me, but it, it was a good episode. I, I recommend going to listen to it and listen to what they have to say and I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, no, Matt's, Matt stuff is really good. I enjoyed all of his podcasts. I wish he did more. Yeah. I mean, he did, I think he started the Technology Flows, and he did three or four, maybe, um, right around Dreamforce um, 2015, and then I didn't see him, I think I'm still subscribed,
0: but I just haven't seen anything come up. Yeah, I think it was recent. I think it was early, it was maybe this last week, right before Christmas. Yep. All
1: right, so can we get into year in review then? So we'll do a year in review, and then predictions for 2017? Sure. Okay. I don't have a whole lot on year in review, but... Um, yeah, you know, Salesforce DX was one item I think was very very significant applicable yeah. to my interests. Well, I mean, I I think Trailhead X that's what we're saying, right? Trailhead. Well, that's that's just an event. That I mean, I don't want to say
0: just. That is that is an event. It is an event, but it was started last year. It was it was That's where they
1: announced Salesforce DX. Right.
0: But it the the conference stuck out of my head because I I we didn't really know who it was for. They they said it was for developers and even this next year I'm not sure who it's for.
1: Yeah. I know. We talked about that.
0: Yeah. But I mean, in terms of significance of so the, the a year in review, I mean, that stood out to me was the idea that we might get a conference specific to developers, the idea that we might actually be able to I use that word again. We might be able to actually get in front of product managers and, and have, you know, some really interesting and intriguing Technical conversations at some very low levels. Yeah, I mean,
1: and to me, it's more the idea. I mean, I guess the conversation good, just so they know what what people who are using these things what what they want out of them. But it's actually getting some of those things. You know,
0: getting the right language improvements, getting the right tool improvements, getting the right performance improvements. Well, more than anything, I I want to see communication between us and Salesforce at that level. I think there is some. I, just, I mean, I'm there, just there are things that. That they would love to do, I'm sure. I mean, these guys are developers, but they're listening. The they're building they're,
1: they're listening to the Accentures of the world, the Coca Colas of the world, and the HPs of the world. They're, they're listening to their big customers. That's who they listen to.
0: True, but I, I just think that they have a side to tell as well. That you know when we say we ask for this, they might be able to say, "Yeah, we really want to do that," but the way we designed this, the way we originally built this, it's going to take. A lot more effort to do this, and you you gain some understanding of, of what it what it might take to implement that feature. You get some understanding and and some leeway, and and then within that conversation, there's some compromising. There's some, you know, well, well can you at least give us this? If you can't give us that, can you give us this? You know, it's it's that yeah. conversation.
1: And I don't want to be unfair. I, I think that Salesforce is a part of DX, and I think what what's the name Wade um Wade Wade Wag Wagner, Wag- Wagner? I think so. yeah um you know I think that's what he's doing. Is he's, he's out there just trying to Listen. I mean, I think that's his job, is to listen to what developers want and to make this a better platform for developers. And I'm, so far, I'm, you know, him taking them at their word. We still need to um, talk to him about maybe coming on, just maybe update. I mean, it's been so long since it was announced, just updating on kind of where, how things are going and, and what's, what's coming next and whatever. Yeah, Because he offered to talk to us. Yeah, I mean, I think they're listening. It's just, it's you know, Salesforce is a big platform now. There's a lot of customers on it, and it's going, you know, you don't, you don't turn a ship on a dime. so, But sure. uh, but starting to veer into the right direction is, I think, what, I think we're starting to see that. And I'm, I, you know, I'm liking it. I've already seen performance improvements. I don't know if that has anything to do with Salesforce DX or not, but I'm liking that. All right. Um, do you want to go back and forth? Like any, anything stuck out for you uh
0: 2016? Well, li- lightning in general stuck out. I mean the the trials and tribulations. Yeah, and you
1: really dug into it more than yeah. I have. So, uh, in what way for 2016 did lightning stick out? I mean, you think it reached a certain critical mass? Are there is there some tooling available now? Like, what is it? What is it? Because we're in the what we're going into year three of lightning.
0: I guess I guess technically, yeah. I, I think for me it was very much a roller coaster because I I started out with a very low opinion of it as a kind of this this half half. I'm going to say half-assed, half-assed um, upgrade, modernization to the system. But there are some actual fundamental things going on there. And the fact that I can, you know, create these components and use JavaScript and HTML the way that we can, um, it surprised me how I was able to kind of do certain things. And and there are times where where it was easy. There are times where it was difficult. There are times where just I just couldn't do something because the technology wasn't there. Uh, it's it's kind of it, it was frustrating in that yes you should be able to do that but we're not there yet type situations yeah you know it's it it's that that it's not anything I can do about it so I just kind of have to work around it or or just not do it at all yep so it's very much a roller coaster with it but I am finding I'm liking it more I am finding it that I'm that I'm leaning more towards it that that I'm okay with with the idea that I'm going to build everything lightning first and if it needs to go into classic I'll try to host it. Using a Lightning Out component, mm-hmm. um, so that technology is coming coming through. That I think will will help me do that, and it's made me a little less anxiety over supporting mobile. Um, because m- with mobile, you had to do so many do things differently. There's so many things you couldn't do. There's some there you had to handle things a certain way. But with Lightning being the component and having the mobile builder and the app builder, it's merging those worlds a little bit more to where I, I have less anxiety over supporting mobile.
1: Uh, yeah, and I, I would just my asterisk on that is if you can build your app as these little blocks that can either be flowed or stacked. Yeah. I mean, that's what it de- depends on. And that's, it, it has
0: changed the way I think about... To really kind of dumb
1: down the, your options for a UI.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think more in more granular terms. I mean, Visualforce has had components, but I never really used them that way. I'd used them you know, sporadically here and there, never to really kind of build out a UI. My UI would just be this gigantic page. Versus all these little components, which it probably should have been, but this wasn't the way I was thinking. Well,
1: and also, Visual Force components have no, there, there's no implication there of, of visually how that component will be represented. Could right. could be even not even displayed. Right? It doesn't have to be a displayed component. Right.
0: But with Lightning, I'm a little more conscious of being granular of of abstracting things a little bit more because now that that code is a little more portable, that UI is more portable you know it can be included on a on a detail page or it can be included on a mobile page right. it can be included you know in a lot of different ways maybe in some console which we're starting to i think they're starting to release a console for this next release you know and maybe it'll show up there yeah so so i'm i'm thinking a little bit differently about how i build these uis they're less kind of big bang and more about smaller chunks
1: yeah i, I think there's actually less to think about there's pretty much this is how your ui will work and if you want to build in the system this is how you will build your ui components yeah, It's actually less thinking, which in a way is good, but in another way is very limiting.
0: Yeah, Plus I enjoy that there, although I was concerned about Shield, um, I'm not as concerned about it anymore. Shield or Locker Service? Locker Service, sorry. Okay. Locker Service. Um, at first I really thought it was going to restrict us in terms of what we could do on the page, and, and it kind of does, but I understand why they're doing it now, and I, I know a little bit more about it. And really I haven't come across any kind of restrictions with the things I've been doing today. Maybe if I was writing some major... Application that, that had all these different things and using all these different frameworks, maybe. But for my use, I haven't run into it, so I'm, I'm a lot less concerned than I was originally.
1: Just wait till you have something where you have to use some something, <laughs> and you're going to become a lot more concerned. Well, about that's it.
0: That's true, but I, I guess because I've been in this ecosystem for so long and I've seen these limits come up, and I, you know, I was just kind of prematurely, <laughs> prematurely anxiety, premature anxiety about yeah,
1: it. Yeah, you're
0: you've calibrated your expectations appropriately. Exactly. <laughs> Um.
1: All right. So I think one thing for me, 2016 was the year of AI acquisitions for Salesforce, or machine learning, whatever you want to call it. Surprising or stood out? It's just it wasn't surprising. I would say because looking back, it seems like that was the right thing to do. And I don't even when they happened, I don't think they were surprising because you know these other companies investing in in AI, yeah. and so it makes sense for and Salesforce again. they every year we know they've got to have a new theme that they're selling, whether yeah. it's you know chatter. Lightning, social, mobile, AI, IoT. It's always going to be something. Yeah, And this was it this year. Well, actually, I should say, yeah, I guess that's when they started. I mean, because it's, you know, no sooner than they bought a couple of AI companies. And then two months later, we have Dreamforce, and they're selling Einstein. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the message, is Einstein. So well, that was a big standout. Yeah. I still don't know what to make of it, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, time will tell. I do think I think Salesforce has the chance to be one of the big players in in commercialized, productized machine learning.
0: Commercial uh, Meaning you know enterprise accessibility. Maybe. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean taking machine learning and turning it into a product that is commercial and that people can actually use in a product sort of way. Like a very parameterized, I think so. You know, bump, bumpers applied, right? This is the kind of way Salesforce does things. Yeah, I think they've got a good they got a good shot of being in
0: that conversation. Yeah, who knows? I mean, Speaking maybe a year of, from now we'll talk about how transformational it was. Maybe I don't know.
1: Possibly, I would like to I I mean, because I because like,
0: more than anything, I mean, companies knew how to host websites, they knew how to build web applications, you know, and Salesforce just came along and said, "Hey, let us do it for you. We're cheaper and faster and better at it, and you can do all this other stuff." But AI, AI and even, even mass data warehousing, I mean, those are things that are kind of hard to get into. And if you're a small growing company, you know, the tool like Salesforce would, would change, would get you to market faster, would get you to use those tools faster. Right. So I think those are are far more impactful, I think, than, than maybe some of the stuff they've done in the past. So it could potentially be, you know. All right. Well, so what about negatives? Well, Let's so I'll, I only
1: have—I didn't do very much homework on this year in review. Um, so I only have one more. Do you have any more? Look, uh, yeah, lookbacks. I
0: was, I, was, I had one. Okay, I wanted to look. It's back a negative. What's it? Is a negative? It's okay. it's the the issues we've had with Salesforce: the performance, the downtime, the loss of data.
1: Loss of data was that was I would I would say that was a standout for Salesforce because I just hadn't seen data loss at least on that scale that that made it out into the public. I don't have a recurring any.
0: Data loss. I mean, this had to be been the first. Well,
1: not time. not that is known about. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, also, just the uh, the way they handle it and the lessons they had to learn about the communication aspects of it. And I'm still not sure they've learned those lessons because I saw some of the same, same problems
1: on one of their recent outages that was, what, about a month ago? A few instances
0: were down for a few hours. and They had about the same reaction. Very, well, they very just, low informational and then and, you know, and, personal responses to very key accounts. Yeah. Yeah.
1: In public, so I don't know. Yeah, business is hard, but <laughs> I feel like I feel like they could have learned a little bit, a little bit more from that previous experience. I wonder if they have? I mean, surely they do. Uh, crisis counts. Uh, crisis uh, consultants. You said you had one more. I do, which is their stock, and it's just you know, I was looking at the chart for this this year, and I noticed you know, gosh, it's really been basically flat for the past year. And then I expanded it to the <laughs> to the five year, wrong hole. Yeah, sorry. Expanded it to the five year, and I, I noticed it actually has been flat for about two years. Um, you know, in the, in 2014, the stock was trading in the 60s, hmm. and today it's going to. Let me look right now. It's down one. Per, it's trading at 69, so it's it's still in the 60s. And this was back when they were doing when they were on about a four billion dollar run, right? They were in the 60s. Now they're on an eight billion dollar run rate, and they're still in the sixties. Mm. And so some of that is, you know, uh, of course, my opinion is they Salesforce has been, uh, you know, you can you, you call it what you want, overvalued or a lot of future promise built in. I mean, that's when you buy a stock, that's what you're doing. You're buying the future, so I, I get that, and I know yeah. I understand why people have it valued where they do. Um, maybe it's just I know how hard <laughs> how hard business is, and how hard it would be there be for them to get in a position where they're justifying that valuation. And I also know that if there's any blip on the radar getting there, that doesn't make sense, blip on the trend line, I guess, getting there, then, then this stock will take a big hit. But, you know, they've grown a lot. Like I said, they're doing double the revenue now. And they've kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're, their gross margins have increased just a little bit. They it looks like they're kind of bending the curve on everything from employee hires to their their marketing spend. And so, you know, you see them closing the gap or in and on some measures at some points appears they're closing the, the profitability gap. Um, but the stock market's taking a very much a wait-and-see attitude. Their they're, the skepticism is growing, which yeah. is why they've doubled their revenue and their stock is at the same mm-hmm. level. They've been as high as like 80, what, 89 or something? And that's so. when, that was when the, oh, the,
0: the Microsoft... Buyout rumors. Yeah, the yeah. Microsoft buyout rumor. They gave them a huge bump. But then so, they, they, they didn't come down from that for a long time, though.
1: It, it, yeah, so it, it kind of it, slowly even came through back the down. the outage that we right. talked
0: about, it, it stayed up there.
1: Yep. But it's totally come down. And then, really, uh, the, the Twitter thing, it really tanked during that Twitter com- uh, conversation. Yeah. <clears throat> but I feel like they're just slowly growing into their kind of what was to me an overhyped valuation. Um, but this is also, you know, this is partly, the, uh, they're also growing into the fact that, you know, <laughs> their stock price is the same, but they have a lot more shares outstanding than they did two years ago. I mean, you know, we talk about this. They print shares every quarter mm-hmm. to pay employees with. And who pays for those? Well, the stock, stockholders do. And so their market cap's probably, I, di- I didn't compare market cap and then to that, but the market cap's going to be a little higher. Same stock price, right? Or same range, but there's a lot more shares. So you have to do the math there to figure out what their market cap is. So their market cap's probably up somewhat. So they, it's not that it's not that their valuation hasn't increased. It's just the the you know the symbol, the stock price is uh, kind of static. So we'll see. I mean, I guess we can talk about predictions and we can talk about what we think is going to happen. But yeah, I don't know. It's not it's interesting to look back and see that wow, for about two years it's been flat.
0: Yeah. So you said you said predictions. You want to get into uh, talking about the predictions we made last year?
1: Yes, because I don't know what those are.
0: <laughs> well, they're actually mostly you because I think I think I didn't. Um... I didn't have very many. Okay. But you started us out with what you thought was going to be some kind of marketing war. And I think you ended up being right. Yeah, I think so a marketing too. marketing war you said, 2016 is the AI race in business. So your prediction was that we would see a lot more about AI. I did pr- predict that. You wow. predicted it. We got Einstein. Wow. <laughs> where's, my, where's my dinger? Where's my bell, man? you going to ding yourself? Yeah. Uh this next one bell? is actually what we just talked about. Your prediction was Salesforce revenue will continue to flatten. But you said that it's possible they may eke out a profit in at least one of the quarters. Which they did! Which they did. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. All right. This is another, wow. Jeremy. Apex will lag further behind. Oh. It's hard to argue with that. Yeah. With Lightning getting more traction, it's going to continue. And
1: just, you know, with, with JavaScript, as much as that's a crappy language... I would say getting better and things like Kotlin and, um, oh gosh, what else is going on? Elixir, you know, I don't know. There's just, there's so much, and there's also yeah. all these other existing, just what I kind of consider great languages. I kind of love Ruby. I kind of love Python. I mean, they're just, they're very, they each have their quirks, but they're, they're pleasurable languages to work with. They're mm-hmm. pleasurable. That's a good word for it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, you had, uh, a- another one of your predictions. Um, this was more about Oracle. I, I don't remember exactly the conversation. It was kind of going in and out in, in, when I listened to it, but it was um, Oracle will make progress in the cloud, but will not overtake Salesforce. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably
1: an easy prediction
0: though. Um, mine, mine was around acquisitions. So this one was mine. I, I said that, that um, acquisition rumors won't happen. This year, that it's, it's, you know, maybe another couple of years we'll hear another acquisition rumor, but.
1: Uh, well, we, t- we had one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Twitter, or no, uh, Microsoft, right? Yeah. You mean Salesforce being acquired? Right. Okay.
0: Uh, let's see. I had hopes. This was like kind of a hope, a wishful thinking that there would be other languages available on the platform. I, I don't think JavaScript counts. Does it count? No. But my, I was thinking more like, you know, being able to run Java or something on top of Salesforce. But yeah. non Heroku were my words. I just realized I have, I have a second buzzer. What is this? Oh, sounds like a louder version of the I first guess one. so. <laughs> uh, your, your prediction, you get, get that buzzer ready. Okay. Salesforce would allow Docker containers. I think uh, it was more tongue in cheek. It was hopeful. <laughs> It was a hope and change you were looking for, John. Um, I think we were both saying this at the same time, but it was our predict. We, we were kind of predicting the doom and gloom of Lightning, and we said that Lightning is not the answer to the platform. If the platform is to grow, it needs to involve other languages beyond Lightning, beyond JavaScript. I think the jury's still out on that one. Because it, you, it, it's hard to call Lightning,
1: you know, a success at this point.
0: Well, the the, the topic was more around just it being a platform, you know, a platform for development, that Lightning was not the answer to that. Maybe DX will give us the answer to that. I
1: don't think so. No, I think Lightning, I mean, it may not be the answer I want, but there is only one answer to what is the platform to develop on going forward, and that is Lightning. So you either like it and use it, or you leave and go do something else. Yeah.
0: Um, Continuing that conversation, um, I had said that Lightning is is an advancement to the platform. It's a modernization of the platform, but it's not transformational. In that it's it's going to change a lot of what we do and how we do it, which I, I think I agree with. Still,
1: yeah, I mean, you know, you still I don't know. Wake up in the morning, you log into your web browser, log into Salesforce, and you click your t- the tabs are now across the top just like they were before. Like they were before. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know, you've got more Ajaxy stuff going on, but yeah. it's a little bit slower.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> More time to take sips of coffee, I guess. Yeah. All right. You ready for a ding? Yes. This was uh, my last prediction, and it, it says I will not be able to convince Jeremy to go back to Dreamforce in 2017. Although I came close. Yeah. <laughs> 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 or in 2016. Yeah. 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 This year.
1: All right. That was last year. This year. Okay. So you have? Do you have your
0: own list of predictions? Do you have any predictions? Um. So. I have another s- segment to this, which is the goals that we had for ourselves for this year. Oh, okay. We want to talk about that.
1: Yeah, let's do those. Let's do those after predictions. Okay, because I think goals are a. That's a good positive note to end on. Yeah. All right. I'll start with predictions. And I, these are kind of not even in order. I don't know. Then they're not even. Some of them are salesforce. Some aren't. But my first prediction is Apple will start building, slowly building. And I think they'll try to keep this secret, but I'm, I, think I think we'll start getting leaks of finding out that Apple's slowly building the capability and, and an ecosystem around it uh, needed to build iPhones in the United States.
0: I agree. I think
1: that's plausible. And I'll, I'll say maybe iPhones or Macs, and I'm, I'm not just the Mac bro, other ones. I
0: think, more, I think, I think it's more plausible that they'll bring the Macs in because they've kind of already tried to do that with, I'm going to use my favorite word, kidding, yeah. <laughs> they'll they'll have the parts manufactured they'll ship them in and then they'll actually put them together here
1: well, in the states. Well, that's true. And I, yeah, I don't I think they'll still make the OLED displays and wherever they're made in Asia, right? Mm-hmm. But but I think yeah, this assembly, this is where it will come together. I think it will take them years to get there. Because it's you have to build it's like, you know, it's it's the same way Detroit worked with You've got, yeah, you've got the, the car manufacturers, but there's mm-hmm. so this, this ecosystem of, people, of the companies that build bumpers, the companies that make glass, and they're all right around there. And you've got to have them all there. And same thing with the iPhones. I mean, there's certain companies that make these certain kinds of screws that are in, have to be incredibly precise and made to like, you know these exacting specifications. Yeah. And we don't have those here. No. I mean, we just don't have them. And so you've got to convince them to come here. And Apple will have to help them invest. Apple will be an investor in a lot of these efforts.
0: And uh, unfortunately, Apple will have to work very closely with the government because they they are more than likely going to have to bring in some immigrants. Well, because they have the skill set, we've lost that skill set. And you you can't talk about this without talking about Trump. I and I you know of course
1: Trump has talked about making deals with companies, but also you know this whole thing with immigrants and what the right kind of immigration or whatever. I don't want to get into any of the politics of it, but I think I do think that Trump is wanting to cut deals with companies. You know, to make America great again. <laughs> no, seriously, I think he wants to make deals, and I think of some of that as well. Okay, we will promise to start making iPhones here, but we want this much money for the government to invest in it because you know everyone's got to have a public-private partnership. I hate that term. Yeah, Um, and we're going to need yeah we're, we're going to need to bring some this, this, we're like going to we're oh, going to need this, this type of skill set this type of skill set, and yeah. we've got it. We want guaranteed visas for these people and whatever. So who knows? But. That would be very interesting. I hope something like that starts happening because I, I feel like in this country, we've gotten, we've, we've just lost a, a lot of stuff that we didn't have to lose. Mm-hmm. And it's made us, it's made us very one dimensional as an economy. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we, it, it's that trade deficit. Yeah. yeah. It results in a trade deficit. Yeah. All right. Your turn. Well, I can just keep going.
0: I keep going. I okay. lost my train of thought. <laughs> so
1: involved in yours. So I read that tech companies are sitting on about one trillion dollars in cash, and so my prediction is that giving back will be even more of a pissing contest than it is now with all these rich tech execs. Eh. No, I think it's, I think it's just going to be a. I don't know.
0: Just going to hear more and more about it. The, the the giving back will kind of continue to or it. Continue to grow to be kind of a PR stunt. That oh yeah, a lot more PR, a
1: lot more you know giving back initiatives, and they're going to uh, branded things like one one one. That's a brand, right? I mean, this mm-hmm. is marketing. This is a, I mean, there's going to be a lot more, and I'm not t- and I'm talking about Salesforce. I mean, Salesforce they, they kind of wrote the book on this, li- like literally.
0: wrote the I'm, book. I'm going to counter your prediction okay. and say that I think we're going to see less of it. I, I think oh, wow. I think the public opinion on it is waning. I think. I think why, this, now. Why do you think that? Do you think, because I think in this new cl- political climate that we're going to be in, it's going to be very focused on, on business, and I think people are going to be very in tune with the marketing the 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 marketing around these type of things, and they, I think it's going to hit them the wrong way. They're going to get cynical. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we heard that before, right?
1: Okay. Um, next prediction is that the Microsoft assault on Salesforce will continue. And 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 it will begin its ascent into the CRM market share. It right. That I, is that was that was mine. No, <laughs> how when I lost my train of thought on. It's interesting to talk about how they will do that. I think that well, one, I think they've all, they've already put they've already got momentum. They've put yeah resources of various types into place over the past couple of years that are going to start paying dividends. I think this is massively boosted by the LinkedIn integration. I think at some point you're going to see that really enhance their Dynamics CRM product. Um, and then I also think, think about how Dynamics CRM fits into their, their full stack, like their, whole, their whole stack of stuff. So not only do you have the other things in the Dynamics family, accounting, all that stuff, manufacturing, or kitting, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you've got you know, Windows, Windows Server, Visual Studio. I mean, visual, keep in mind, .NET and Visual Studio is how you build on CRM and Dynamics. It's kind of a beautiful thing, man. Can't say I'm not jealous. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, from the metal on up, uh, Azure. Right? And then on top of all that, you've got all the consumer apps, Office 365, which are going to tie in. It's all, it's all just going get, to get, continue to get better and better integrated. And so I think, that's, I think it paints a good picture for, for their CRM product it's assuming, it's, nest, it's nestled it well. it's nestled in a very nice stack
0: it, it is and in, in in terms of pr and marketing they have a very strong foothold they, they have a very great message to put out there hopefully they do it in a way that that reality doesn't kick them in the face like they did with their sharepoint integration with all their products where you were basically sharing a file i mean it it's you're holding them to their uh, 20 year ago product at this point i am i know and i hated sharepoint too I'm just saying, yeah. as long as as long as these integrations are true, and and I have the same inc- complaint about Salesforce. Yes, they've added they've added Marketing Cloud and they've added you know SteelBrick, but they're still separate products. They're not part of your Salesforce data. They're separate, and maybe that's a good thing in certain parts. But at the at the same time, you can't get a sandbox for for Marketing Cloud. You can't you can't do the things you you expect to be able to do with Salesforce under the Salesforce umbrella. Yeah, and that that bothers me. They're not. Yeah, they're. You're right. I mean, they they're very
1: they still feel like very disparate products. Mm-hmm. I mean
0: and, and that's And my it, hope for the cloud was that that we wouldn't see this. That once we got moved into the cloud, that those kind of details, those abstractions would disappear. I, even if they still existed to us as the consumers, they would disappear. Right. Right. We're presented with a facade that makes it look right. Good.
1: And it's but it's gotta be meaningful though. It's gotta and that's I actually buy into the idea that the platform is the big value of Salesforce. That is the differentiator. Right. But the problem is, is there's really only one thing on the platform. That's still the traditional CRM product.
0: Now they've enhanced it. So I mean, okay, so uh, well, service is is the bigger, the bigger s- cloud right now. I think or the service on the yeah, bigger growing that, cloud, and that was
1: built on the on the Force platform, right, natively.
0: Yeah, that one's interesting because it is a combination of things they built and acquisitions. It is
1: acquisitions, um, and, and I don't know how well those have, they bolted those on or not, but.
0: Yeah. But it seemed like this natural evolution where, where they did, they, they have enough built in the force.com platform. I hate saying force.com in, in the platform. That's what it is, isn't it? I know. I just hate the word. They have enough built out in it that it feels native. It feels part of it. You know, it's it's in your sales. Well, force.
1: the core of the service is and the core of the it right? yeah. it's,
0: it's in your case data. It's there. Right. You know, you're having to manage right. that storage, how many records you have there. That, mm-hmm. that makes it feel like it's Salesforce. But when it's a separate thing and it works different or. Maybe now it's skinned with lightning, but it's still you still feel the difference.
1: Yeah, and, you know, th- like you said, the, the, the marketing products and the social products feel like very much separate platforms, and, and they are. I mean, you, it's a, probably a different reporting engine, and it's still painful to get data just into your into your accounts and contacts and Salesforce from these other systems, and it's an integration which can break and can get out of sync and stuff. It's just like this yeah. does not. These are not on the same platform. I shouldn't have to worry about the sync routine between my marketing it's, cloud it's and not, Salesforce. it's so at that point, it's like, okay, this is not a platform play. Unless we can get these big other clouds on the same platform, it's really not a platform play. I mean, kind of erodes that whole argument.
0: Yeah. And it, even if it's a, even if it's an illusion, even if it's smoke and mirrors, as long as I don't have to see the abstraction, as long as it doesn't impact me. You know, I can I can create a report across my accounts and my marketing data and it works. Cool.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm fine with that. Yep. That's not what we
1: have. Right. I mean, I guess they're still working on it, and I don't know. I don't even. I don't even, I mean, this I don't even is, know how feasible is the, it is to buy something like Exact Target and and re-implement it on the Salesforce platform. It's, I mean, that's, that's really not the feasible. The crutch of
0: enterprise or companies that go enterprise—they when they start growing to the size where they're growing by acquisition—you know—the value of of taking that and fully integrating it and and making it native. There's not enough ROI there, apparently,
1: and and also there's not enough feasibility there. Like, it's yeah. it's hugely risky, whether. I mean, okay, we know it's going to cost like $500 million to reimplement this thing on the platform. Okay, so we would be, we're, and we're, we're ten, tentatively willing to, to do that. But what are the chances of being successful? That's, that's the other question.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, if we think it'll be successful, okay, let's do it. But if we're not sure if it's going to be successful, then maybe we don't invest $500 million in that and have a public failure on our hands. I mean, they've already, they've, already, they've already got enough stuff they've bitten off and they're trying to chew. I mean, start with Lightning, for one. That, well, that's one, I, I'm not going to say any more about it because that's on my list further down. All right, staying on the, mark, on the Microsoft theme, I am predicting that Microsoft will either build or buy a marketing automation suite. Because they're going to, I don't think they have one, right? Not on, the, not on par with IBM, Adobe,
0: Salesforce, Oracle, Right. Well, there's no one left to buy? Is there? Well, Oracle just bought Elko, right? And
1: I don't. Again, this, this is com- clearly out of my range of expertise, but is not Marketo still independent?
0: Oh yeah, I think they are. But I said build or buy, and they were they were on the Salesforce radar for acquisition. Were they? I think so. I think they were on that that leaked email that we saw. That was that was a pretty significant event for last year that we didn't cover.
1: Oh, they yeah like they, the their their PowerPoint got leaked. Yeah. Their their deck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got a leak on the deck. <laughs>
0: um, you know, I, I predict that the the Salesforce Microsoft relationship will continue to to uh, what's the word? Drift, deteriorate, drift, drift and deteriorate. Yeah, they may be they they may be really I mean, good friends, pretty much on I the could... golf course. But I think in in terms of business, they're they're going to really start to compete really hard. Yeah. No, no, no. Which was that? That was kind of what I wanted to say, but you basically covered that with with what you were, what you predicted.
1: No, the weird thing is, is, Microsoft doesn't need Salesforce at all, but Salesforce needs Microsoft, right? They don't they need a good Office integration.
0: Well, well I mean, Quip was kind of an answer it, to that. It, it, it kind
1: of, well, I think and I think that was a, a that was a rebound uh, date, <laughs> was it not? That was a rebound acquisition. It absolutely was. Mm-hmm. It gave them the ability to say they have live docs. The problem is though that ninety eight percent of the customers will keep using Microsoft Office. Yeah, I mean you're you're not going to pry Microsoft Office from people's hands. And now, of course, I'm excluding well, I'm excluding itty bitty SMBs and startups. Okay, that have no legacy; they have you know no existing licensing deals with, with Microsoft.
0: And that's an important distinction because I would say that that Google Docs or Google in general has a stronger foothold in the in the younger yes. markets yep. than say Microsoft. Right. Microsoft is still trading on its legacy currently. I mean just I'm not sure if
1: that's fair either because I feel like they really innovated with especially getting into cloud with 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 Office.
0: No, I'm not saying that they're not advancing and they're not moving forward, but I mean there's still a lot of people who are really comfortable with spread with Excel. They're really comfortable with Word. And in, yeah, they've tried Google Docs and they've tried this, but they'll still go back to Word for anything important.
1: Right. They'll overall, still go back to spreadsheets for anything important. Right. I think overall, Google Docs has put a very, it's a very very small dent they put yeah. in it. Right. And and as much as I like Google Docs for the productivity, the not the productivity, the uh, collaboration. Collaboration. Thank you. It's still just not like that great. I mean, if you're doing any document that's not pretty simple. Uh, yeah, I'm going to Word or even LibreOffice.
0: Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you ever get like, you're, you're sharing a document, but you're kind of, you don't want anybody to know you're in it, so you just download it? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Especially if I don't want them to see my
0: changes that I'm making until I'm ready to share those. Yeah. That's kind of one downside to the always-on collaboration. Right. Like as soon as you pop in, someone knows you're in it. I'm like, I, I'm just I just want to read this. right? Know especially if it's like say, let's say it's not, and you're like, yeah, I'll go ahead and read that document. You open it
1: up and someone else and immediately start chatting with you on if they're in there and like I, you I know want
0: plausible deniability.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did not see that. What tell me about it? Exactly. <laughs> I mean it even shows them where your cursor is. I know. <laughs> Surprised it doesn't tell you where your eyeballs are focused. That's coming. <laughs> it probably is. Prediction. <laughs> keep that gaffer tape over your over your uh,
0: mm. webcam. I had to put that back on.
1: Right. so I've got, a, I've got a, and again, some of these are mutually exclusive. So I'm, I'm really hedging my bets here. I'm, I'm playing both sides of it. Right. So and that's what this next one is. And it, because I think it's gotten more feasible, and that which is uh, Oracle by Salesforce. And the reason I say this because, it kind of talks it goes back to our stock conversation, the stock price. Mm-hmm. They're growing and they're becoming. If you were to buy them, you're getting more. You're getting more customers. You're getting more products, but the stock price has not increased. So the, so the it's, it hasn't become a more expensive acquisition. You're, you'd be, you'd get more for your money right now. And if that trend continues, then it's, it becomes a fair, you know, it, it, Salesforce could become an attractive, more attractive target for Oracle. And I really think Oracle is the one to do it.
0: So I want I want to add to that and say that if it does happen. It's not going to be Benioff's choice.
1: Yeah, you know, the board, the, the shareholders may tell him that this well, is what you're going to do.
0: I think I think Twitter might have emboldened the board a bit in 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 seeing that they they can influence his decision, they can really kind of. I don't think slap that was ever. Hand. I don't think that was ever in question, right? Because, but it's never been proven. It's never been. It's never been. Mark going be fired by the board. Yes, I know that. Okay, I'm just I mean saying, they've I just, pretty much given leeway I, to do whatever he wants, I just want to make that clear, however because he wants. Some people may not realize that this is the first situation where they've actually kind of. Pulled rank and said no.
1: And, First that we've talked about Does that embolden
0: about. them. Does that embolden them to to say like because if Benioff wants to make the case that no, we, we shouldn't sell, we can make this yeah. work. We can we can get to 10, twenty billion. Come on, let's, let's 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 hold the line here. That's so. This is how I mean, that is the definition of a hostile takeover is when
1: the acquirer makes a a bid that the shareholders like, but management doesn't. But the shareholders are are ultimately in control.
0: That rumor stayed stayed around for so long, and they were they were still in the bidding for for, for sorry, so long. I'm sorry, the stakeholders are in control. Oh, sorry, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. which makes me think there was a bit of a power struggle that that Benioff was was pushing back to see how far he could go, and the yeah. board was kind of pushing back to see how far they could go as well. He was he was. And they, they need Benioff. I mean, he's he's the very charismatic front to Salesforce. He's he's one of the best salesmen I've ever seen. Exactly. So I mean, there's definitely a power struggle dynamic. I think there. Yeah, I guess so. Does I mean, Twitter, I think the, the very... Twitter backlash emboldened them a bit.
1: I don't think so because I think they always knew their power in their place. They just you don't hear from them much. Maybe they're the money guys, and again, there's like a hand. There's like a dozen of them. They could go to any restaurant and just push a couple of tables together, and they can have dinner together. Um, I also think it fits the mold of Larry continuing to have Oracle buy companies that Larry personally invested in. It fits that mold perfectly. And it reunites two,
0: two good old friends. I feel like we're watching a soap opera here between <laughs> Larry and, and Benioff. That's what makes it fun, John. I, know, I, just, I just feel like like they're, they're smiling, they're buddies, but at the same time, like Ellison really wants to just take it over and just say, haha, I'm still a big dog. And Benioff's still trying to, trying to, you know, say, nope, I've, I've grown past you. I just, I just, that's what I see in my head. It may not be true, but that's what I see.
1: And hell will no longer have to say, you can't do this with Salesforce.
0: <laughs> it's not like either of them need the money I'll anymore. Have to They're say you, super you can't, <laughs> rich. Yeah. So this is just a, no, a I know. pissing contest, Oh, it right? is
1: absolutely is. Absolutely.
0: I don't have to worry about, at, at point, to worry about putting a roof over their no. family's head or feeding them or putting them in their college. That's, no. all, oh, yeah. that's all taken care of. Right. This is now a pissing match. Yep. All right. Next.
1: Salesforce will eke out a gap profit that's not due to one-time tax treatments. So a legitimate, an earned gap profit. And then I think they will become consistently profitable. Not very profitable.
0: I don't think so. I think there's still very much a acquisition growth and that's going to impact their ability to be profitable. Growth by acquisition. Well, so my prediction is they're going to continue to grow. by this goes into a, acquisition, and
1: that's going to impact their profitability. See, this goes into the lovely world of accounting, where you have to remember that when they spend, let's say, a billion dollars on a company, mm-hmm. okay, even if that company is actually their book value is only like two hundred million, you okay? So you one one billion dollar leaves your books, right? But you gain two hundred million of the the, comp, the company bought their book value, and then you gain you gain eight hundred million dollars on your balance sheet of our. Our good old friend goodwill, goodwill. <laughs> and so it actually evens out. So you don't necessarily it doesn't necessarily cost you anything in terms of your balance sheet. No, it costs you a lot of cash. That's where it hurts. Yeah, hurts your cash flow. And
0: then that, so I think for the smaller acquisitions, those are fine. I, I think they're going to have to at least make one major acquisition a year to continue to grow. I mean, major. And those major acquisitions are not going to trade on stock. They're going to be cash, which means that that goodwill is going to continue to grow. And At some point, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to deal with that.
1: Yeah, because what do we look? I think I looked it up last time, in
0: their goodwill it's it's yeah. like I don't know. I don't want to so make some time. It's it, in the billions. It's a big number. So so here's here here's why I'm saying what I'm saying. If they do make a profit, I think they're gonna to want to funnel that towards goodwill. I think they're gonna to want to they're gonna take that hit.
1: Write down some goodwill. Yeah, that that's actually a very astute answer of you, John. <laughs> You listened in your business classes, didn't you?
0: <laughs> There's a class taught by Professor Jeremy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, next prediction. Salesforce will continue to struggle with Lightning. I just think they've made kind of mass, massive ca- uh, miscalculations across the board from the beginning. I think they, their prediction of how long it would take, how much work it would be, s- based on the, just the public statements they made, uh, from the beginning, I, I think shows that they miscalculated this, and I think I think to some degree they they've admitted to that, mm-hmm. which is fine. In fact, actually, that's that gives me that's the helpful. warm that gives me the warm fuzzies about Salesforce yeah. that they actually they that, you know they can only make decisions based on what they know at the, at the time, and that's always imperfect information, and in that you have to course correct and do your thing. Do you know do your agile thing or
0: whatever you're doing? See, I think the opposite. I think I think they've I think they're at a point where people are starting to use lightning more. I'm getting much more requests on it. A, a lot of customers are leaving it on when they get their brand new org. Now, now, you know the the guys who have heavily customized it and have been using it for years now, those won't transition right. anytime soon. But uh, I think all the new like, the new customers, and everyone coming in, and even some of the smaller shops, I think they're going to start transitioning to it. I think there's enough features being added in, in this next release and, and ongoing releases that that will make it useful let me let me clarify it's it's not that it
1: won't continue to get better because it will um and and with every release more customers can convert to lightning it's just that we still don't have feature parity so there's some customers that a lot of customers that won't be able to go to it even new customers just because of feature issues and then there's and I don't, I don't know that Salesforce underestimated this. Like maybe they knew it, and just it's not, obviously not something you want to lead with. But just the effort and time for existing customers to convert. I mean, just you can have feature parity right now, and a lot of customers, it's never going to happen. They're never going to convert.
0: True, but I mean, they have new tools coming out, or have them out. I think it's coming out in this next release. I don't remember. It's the Lightning Readiness tool that will kind of take a look at what you're using and what you have enabled feature wise in Classic, and tell you. You know, this is what you. This is what's available. This is what's not. So, I think that's a great path, and because that tool's available, people will look at it and go, "Yeah, I think I can live without that to get all this other stuff." Yeah, and
1: that even that thing is like I think just like a quick starting point. It still takes like I think a knowledgeable analysis to know, you know, what where the details are there, where things could go wrong, what what efforts required, Um, and a lot of times the answer is yes, yeah, yeah. This is time. I mean, there's going to be some work, but it's time to go ahead and start that. But I just think, you know, I think there are some strategic errors that are pretty well baked into Lightning, such as going down the stack, building their own proprietary JavaScript framework. I just think that was just not ideal. And it gives them, it's not ideal, but it's critical to their, to the degree of control that they need for security. And I don't intend to go deep on that one, but I just think they could have gotten potentially a lot more mileage out of picking an, an existing stack that. People knew, and was better than Lightning, better than Aura. I mean, we, we've talked about the the uptake Aura has gotten in the in the yeah. free market, yeah, which is pretty much nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's fees I don't know. I mean, and this is all to say that I don't have very much experience with Lightning, and but from what I've seen of it, and did you ever go to to Aura and check out the GitHub project and start to try to fire something up? No. I got to the point where you had to have like a Java server running and stuff, and I'm just like, mm, "Yeah, I'm going to stop. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's a JavaScript framework. Why do I have to have a Java server running? <laughs> it's a <bit> on Node <laughs> or something. I, exactly. I mean, I don't know. Anyway. Alright, um, next one. Salesforce DX continues to make progress, um, but ultimately and this, oh boy, this is, I want to be fair here, uh, but ultimately it's more bark than byte. Uh, it sounds good, um, but it won't get enough funding to solve the hard problems that Salesforce has created for
0: itself. Yeah, that that I was going to rebut you, but I think I think the the last way you phrase that in terms of funding, I think that makes it far more plausible.
1: There's a there's a lot of people I'm sure that are working very hard to to move the needle on this. Yeah, and there's you know we've seen artifacts come out of that so far. Yeah. Um, we need more and it needs you know but it's just man it's it's a it's a really big problem and I, again I'm assuming Salesforce wants to be on par with Microsoft and Oracle and they're the, the, particularly those and, and they're just not they're not in terms of developer experience and tools and languages it's just not and um, I think they want to get there and I think there's a lot of people there that, that and obviously they've greenlit this DX initiative and I don't think it's no, I mean, hopefully it's not going away. I mean, I, I I expect it to, you know, continue to be a thing and for them to continue to make pro- progress under that banner.
0: Yeah, but but I th- I think I think the because it, you look at what they're kind of focused on right now, at least what I feel they're focused on right now, which is the the deployment technology, the, the you know the continuous the continuous integration, the the deployment. You know, I feel that that's that's there to serve. Some of the larger enterprise companies who are doing mass amounts of cu- customization and need this kind of tooling, and so that's going to help them keep existing customers. I don't necessarily think it's going to help them acquire new bigger customers. I think it's going to help them keep their existing customers. And awesome. so, mm-hmm. and that's when we weird talk, because when we talk about funding and, and and how valuable this is, what the ROI is this to Salesforce. How does this help them sell more licenses? Well, maybe it's not about selling more licenses. Maybe it's about keeping the licenses that they have. It could be.
1: I, I didn't. My perception is they don't have a big problem with that because Salesforce is so sticky. I mean, it gets its proprietary hooks
0: into you and it, you can't get out. That depends. I mean, there, there are some companies that are customizing this to the nth degree mm-hmm. to where Salesforce is unrecognizable. It's basically a right. database. And so, where are they going to go? They can't go anywhere. True. I, that customer can't leave. I don't know. I mean, if you're smart, if you're big enough and smart enough, you, you've got enough hands in the pots. You have dynamics somewhere. You have Salesforce somewhere. A big enterprise isn't using just one system. So they they could have the clout to say, well, you know, maybe we'll just transition over to to dynamics. It it it's happened. In fact, that's how Salesforce no, got in the door. It, that's how they got in that, the door.
1: That's actually a good point because I I actually think that Salesforce is still largely a departmental tool
0: in in some of these larger organizations. But as as more departments use them as more departments say, "Hey, this is a great tool. This has done this for us, and you can customize it and, and all this kind of stuff." It's moved it up the stack in terms of you know the hierarchy of tools for the enterprise. Yeah, and, and so you know that that means that more people are getting involved in it. More more people are developing on it, and they're having certain needs. And if it's not going to fit those needs, they'll transition to something yep. else. Like yep. you said, Dynamics has got C sharp. Yeah, they've got that tooling. Yep, it might have its own drawbacks, but at the same time. What's your pain point of today?
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Next one is that AWS continues to move up the stack. So they had a... What was it? Was it reInvent? We didn't really talk about this reInvent. It was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But one of the big kind of uh, controversial uh, items was that they announced like some kind of managed service that I think is supposedly similar to Rackspace's managed service. The Rackspace has a... I mean, they'll basically... You know, do everything. They'll handhold and do everything for you. I mean, they'll manage not just the hardware and the network and the power and all that, but they'll manage the the everything running on it, the the OS, the security, the patches. Right? They'll they're in your systems, managing it for you, and they have right. the what do they call it? The fan, fantastic, not not fantastic support. What is it? Fanatical, fanatical support. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, AWS is announcing something that looks a lot like that. So that's not. The, I mean, that's not the same thing as. Adding new applications and or like levels in the stack, but it's
0: it, yeah, that it indicating a crM on it they're right they're, they are, they I agree I think they're moving up the stack i mean they're they're slowly moving it's it's like a puddle it's slowly spreading.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if they added some kind of low code pass that's not incredibly dissimilar to force.com I thought
0: we heard something like that maybe we did I have okay. a very bad memory, so it's very possible. Well, they're getting squid. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> squid is on AWS, yeah. and that's a pass. Yeah. So, um, low code pass. Yeah.
1: Uh, okay. Speaking of low code, I don't know if these are really low code or not, but things like IBM BlueMix and this Go Dev, which is what was HyperDev, which we talked about a couple times.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think they'll get more traction and compete with. Salesforce's app cloud due to the fact that they are built on open standards and have choice of language and all that stuff. And uh, I think everyone should check out that GoDev. Or is that what it's called? Yeah, GoDev. Really cool. I still want to look at Bluemix. Have you seen Bluemix? Mm-hmm. I, I, I know we talked about it a couple of times and I've just kind of read about it, but it it looks really cool. It's a kind of a platform as a service and it, all kinds of different languages and makes it easy to build stuff. Mm. I mean, again, can, keeps you in the realm of building solutions not you know setting up you know administering servers and uh, virtual machines and stuff like that it's yeah. definitely a, a, i think it's a platform as a service all right i can keep going please do google cloud will solidify as the third third place guy right behind aws and azure
0: in what aspect Their cloud google cloud Eh, I don't, I don't, I don't see that.
1: Well, so they started out, you know, they had the, the Google App Engine, right? And that's a thing. But, yeah. and you know, people were wondering, were they, because it seemed like a kind of a tepid. It seemed like a hobby. Uh, it did. Yes, yeah. thank you. And it was like, they, no one was, for like a couple of years now, it's like, hasn't been really clear whether Google was going to be serious about actually serving enterprises or whether this is just some like pet project thing. Yeah, But I, I mean, I just think that based on some of the things that have come out and the fact that, you know, they're Google has pretty much the leading uh, container orchestration product. They call it Kubernetes, and it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's funny because Docker has their own. Um, uh, I can't think of the name of it. Um, you so you have Docker, and then there's meso Mesosphere, but but Kubernetes is like I think the, so far kind of the runaway leader in that space, and that's that's a serious thing. And so I think it may be containers that that kind of catapults them to that. That, and also as an incentive for them to, to take advantage of this business opportunity. So that, I don't know, That's I think they're going to be the number three, and I think it will be very clear by the end of the year. Fair enough. All right. Um, I think tech tech execs will continue to groan and mumble for a little bit longer, but in fairly short time, they're going to figure out how to work with the new uh, Trump administration to advance their interests. And you're going to see deals getting done. That's a given. You think so? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'd... I was, you know, for a while, I was wondering whether they would just,
0: you know, not even play ball, just kind of do their own thing. And it's
1: not even, you can't, can you? No, you
0: can't. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) they got to follow the money. The money is going to motivate them. Regardless of politics, regardless of, you know, anything else, you run a business, you run a business for profit, you're publicly traded. Maybe it's, your your influences are going to be your profitability, and you are going to need to work with whatever in administration is in there, True. of who it
1: is. I think. I think maybe what I was thinking was, I am not sure they'd be willing to work with the strings that would be attached to what they need.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think I think companies do have a certain amount of leeway. They have a certain amount of lobbying clout, or whatever you want to call it. I, I think they have ways of making things work. They have they have carrots that they can dangle. Would that <laughs> attract you? <laughs> <laughs> Would it attract me? Yeah. No, because I'm 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 a low I'm I'm this guy over here that just wants to feed his family. I'm okay. not I'm not into this money and power stuff, right? But these guys are, and and they, they that's what makes them billionaires. I think.
1: All right, I have a final a final prediction. I'm sure I'm not I don't think this is a anything. I don't think there's any final about this or definitive. Yeah. yeah, but uh, I think in 2017 people still won't know what to do with IoT. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I agree. I, I think okay, I, I'll add to that and say that I think they will try to change the meaning of IoT to fit whatever's going oh, sure. on at that point right. in time.
1: Just like AI or business intelligence or analytics or any of those other things.
0: Big data. Well now we can't call it AI. We gotta call it neural networks now. They had to change they had to add a new term. And in fact, they're probably muddying neural well, no, networks. No, they, neural network is, is, is an actual. Thing. I know, but they're muddying it, I think. Oh, sure. To include this 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 AI stuff because it's become a marketing buzzword. Okay, here's a prediction. In 2018, AI will be a a do-not-use word. It'll be a buzzword.
1: Maybe. There might be some backlash against AI because people use AI to mean things like machine learning, and AI and machine learning are not the same thing, right? Yeah, no, they're not. So, Well, uh, these days, I don't know what it is, but... I think in general, people might start... When I say people, probably like the more technical people, and, and hopefully the media, the press, will re- require a little bit more rigor around the usage of these terms. No. You don't think I, so? No.
0: It, really? If, 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 that, if that university or whatever it was that, that we looked at those lists has, has been doing this for like 40
1: oh, years... You mean that we will look at?
0: That we will look at? <laughs> well, we looked at it last year, so... Yeah. If there if there's ongoing lists of words to not use, and there's ongoing buzzword lists for that to not use in the following year... Your news, re- your New Year's resolution is not to use these words. That tells me something. That, yeah. This is a cycle. You know, buzzwords are buzzwords. Yep. All right. Well, the only thing I have left is uh, our goals. Our goals. Yeah. yeah. Dude, but we failed at our goals. Jeremy. We did. I'll tell you that. What were our goals? Uh, get more sleep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's I funny because that that's miserably. the first thing on
1: my list for next year. <laughs> my first, not the first thing on my list for the next year is improved sleep and physical health, which I really didn't do
0: either of. All right, our number two that we said was be sick less, and that did not happen. We were, we were sick this year.
1: Sleep plays right into that.
0: Yeah. Um, I had some some goals that uh, I that I failed at. I had a lot going on, but I said I was going to try to publish some blog posts that I hadn't gotten around to publishing, which I never did. Yep and that I would try to get on a schedule of posting regularly, which I never did. Mm. Um, I also said I was, I was going to release my application that we have not talked yeah. about in a while, Man. and I'm still, it's still on, the bits are still on my computer. I bet they are. They, they are still there, but I have not gotten anywhere near yeah. release. Wow. And,
1: um, that's interesting, because I, alright, so other than improved sleep and physical health, my my, this is just what I could come up with before we started recording, uh, just to do something different slash interesting with my business. What, like
0: put on a red light?
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my final thing was going to be be more serious about just side projects.
0: Well, that was my kind of my goal with know. the app, but I, it's still I still there. I want to do it. I still want to focus on it. I still want to find time to do it. You know, really what I w- really want to do is find a better balance. Um How do I say this? Cuz I don't want to sound weird when I say this, but it's it this year I worked a lot and I worked really hard, but it wasn't because I needed the money. And I don't want that to sound weird, but it wasn't I wasn't doing it because I was like I'm behind on all my bills. I got to I got to work 50 hours a day to to pay for it all. Right. It was just I made a lot of commitments and I was having a hard time saying no to anything. You know, I felt like it was feast or famine, and I had to gobble up everything that was coming when, at me.
1: But th- that's that's not something unique about 2016 for you.
0: No, but I, I'd like to get to a point where I'm thinking a little bit more, that yeah. I'm thinking a little more, thinking strategically a little bit more, that, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I can say no to something and feel confident that there'll be another thing that'll come around. I don't have to say yes to this right now, you know, to try to find that work balance. Because I think last year, my, my year started out kind of slow, and that scared me. Mm. Because you know, that wasn't hurting, but it, right. you know, it was slow. Yeah, you know the, the graphs weren't matching up. Yeah, it was like way down here, and last year it was way up here, and mm. I'm like, oh crap, I'm gonna I'm gonna bite it this year. Yeah, and so then I got to this cadence where I was saying yes to everything, 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 mm. everything, and I think I think I need to find a better balance. Maybe find, you know, just just let things happen. You know, try to fit it into a normal day. Right.
1: Well, and that, I mean, obviously, that plays into the side projects and just having time for them. But I mean, I feel like if when you're a slave to the nine to five, you you really you're not learning very much. You're just churning out work. Oh yeah. And side projects is, is where you can say, hey, there's this thing I want to learn. So I'm going to go build a little thing in that, or there's this other thing, and I want to, you know, yeah. and that's where you learn. I mean, you use those to learn. And if you're just building Visual Force pages every day or Lightning components every day, I mean, okay, yeah, you learn how to do that once, but then for the next twelve years, you've been building Visual Force pages. Yeah. And that goes back to what we talked about earlier, which is like you know someone who's got ten years of experience as a Salesforce developer. Well, I mean, have you just building been building Visual for ten years? Because if so, you don't have ten years. Of ex- you're not. A, you have one year of experience. You just re- you redid that same year ten times in a row. Yeah,
0: ran the same same mile.
1: Right.
0: You didn't run two miles. You ran the same mile. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I would like. Okay, so. Maybe this this is a call to action. If anyone has any tips, I'm a horrible at running and jogging. I'm i mostly a cycler, so I'll I'll ride my bike. I, I I'm good before I stopped because of weather, I was up to a good twenty miles. Um so I felt pretty good about that and my conditioning for that. But running and jogging, I am horrible at. So I would like to try to gain some experience in running and jogging this year. Yeah. As a health benefit. Yep.
1: Oh, I need to get back into it. I <clears throat> I have so many excuses, but that and, I don't know. I plantar fasciitis always comes back when I start jogging again, but I always always start trying again, and I'll last for a few weeks, and then it just the pain. It's the pain.
0: It's a it's a painful thing to start.
1: I guess. I mean, if you've got you know if you've got good joints and all that stuff, knees I've and got the back, a knee. So, well, that could be a problem. But I mean, I don't know if you can
0: cycle for tw- twenty miles, then that knees doing okay. My knees gotten stronger and better. You know, I've worked on it. And so I feel like I'm ready to kind of add that that routine, that other routine, that that more jarring routine. Yep. Um, but it's 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 extremely beneficial. Yep. You'll get fitted with, with some good running shoes that are made for your
1: feet. You got to go to a, a uh, an athletic shoe store for that. I mean mm-hmm. like like a running. store. Well, I know
0: we have some runners on our Slack Slack team. I, I hear about them talking. So, you got any tips for a? Fairly beginner runner <laughs> who suffered from asthma his entire life. So running has never really been a big thing for me, but yeah. I think I'm conditioned well enough these days mm-hmm. that I, I can at least make another attempt at it.
1: So even though we didn't go to Dreamforce this year, I feel, like, um, I feel like it was a good year for the podcast. I would, you know, if you look at the numbers, we've probably doubled since the beginning of the year, I'm guessing. We had a good year. Yeah.
0: It was good. And we, we started the Slack community and that was, that was a big plus. Yeah. That, that more than anything was probably the most, the best thing we've ever done, the 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 most impactful thing we've done. We've gotten to interact with so many great su- people. It was a
1: biggest surprise to me.
0: Yeah. Because uh, I think the, uh, and, and that that was actually some of the things we talked about. Like on the last episode for for 2015, you would you would discuss, you know, wanting to get feedback and get questions from people, maybe setting up an email address. And that just kind of germinated into setting up some kind of community where people could, we could talk. Yep. And that ended up being the Slack channel. And so that, that idea has kind of been, Germinating for a while, but it's been extremely successful, I would say. Yeah, I think so too. In terms of just how it's enriched our our lives and allowed us to interact with a lot of great people and share and help and discuss things around the community.
1: Right. Yep, I agree. Uh, So, no reviews. No reviews. No reviews. No, that's sad. No reviews this week. All right. We need reviews, right? They're fun to read. They are
0: well. They they help us. They help the, they help the podcast. Can you write more than one review? I don't know. Can you say yeah? I listen to them. I'll tell yeah, you, it's like, okay. But now I like them. Like, or I used to listen. I liked them, but now they suck. We
1: we. I mean, <laughs> if you look at it, probably far less than a one percent of of uh, members have left a review. Yeah, it's pretty sad. I haven't left a review. Should I leave a review? No, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> self review. I don't think that's I don't think that's right. But no, reviews are good. I mean, we really appreciate those. And again, they do help. They help the podcast the more people find out about us. And if you don't want to type any words, just, you know, click the stars. Or the hearts. That works too. Or the stars hearts. Or hearts. Whatever shows up. Hit Whatever the recommend. IPhone. If you, all you overcast, but there's like 400 of them. Click the the recommend on every
0: episode. Just when you play it, hit the recommend button. I think that helps. And email us your questions, comments, feedback.
1: Whatever. This has been a really enjoyable year and I, I want to just say thank you to all the listeners and members of the community—is that they? I mean, that I don't know. That that really gives me the energy to keep doing this because it does. It's you know, not to complain or not complaining, but it, it's a lot of it takes a lot of work. and It's a lot of work to do this. It doesn't seem like it would be. I've always heard pe- podcast people talk about how it's so much work and it costs all this money, and that's why they want. You know, that's why you should donate to them the stuff. I'm just like, how can this? How can this be hard? How can this take much money? I'm like, oh yeah, this is hard. This takes money too. <laughs> it really does, but. I mean, we're not soliciting anything other than just, you know, a review here or there. Oh, and yeah. to tell and just tell your friends. Tell people who, you know. I mean, I will tell you that they're compared to the size of the potential audience, like we haven't even shipped we haven't even Kipped scratched away the surface. At the Three
0: million developers exa- out there. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've only been able to get one million listeners.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway. Stop telling your lies, Jeremy.
1: But no, just I want to say thank you to everyone who's been a part of it and has made this fun. And I look yeah. I look forward to
0: another year of doing this thing. So Jeremy, I have one more kind of New Year's resolution okay. I want to propose. You're proposing that I resolve to do something? I'm proposing that we resolve to <laughs> okay. do something. If okay. I can't get you on a man trip or what, what do they call that, uh you know, I don't know. A man spreading trip. I don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh that's something different. <laughs>
0: If we can't just go somewhere and be guys for a week, I think we should resolve to find a, a non-Salesforce conference, developer conference, for you and I to attend.
1: Um, you know, I was looking at one. There's one in Frisco that's in March. And it's a uh, like an entrepreneurial
0: thing, but I, I don't know. It didn't no, look. I mean, a developer conference? Let's go to Java Posse in Colorado if they still do that or whichever. Just but, some place where we can be surrounded by developers and gain some new insights, some new experiences, see what they're dealing with, what they're, they're, what they're what new ideas are coming from there, and you know just grow, yeah,
1: did any of the in particular that you looked at
0: no i mean there's 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 a lot of them out there, and it, it you know I don't know if I want to go to one of the newer ones or one of the more established ones, you know, I feel like the more established ones might be a little more p r marketing centric and some of the younger ones will be more you know developer you know really kind of low level stuff, but I don't know,
1: so I like it should be a group decision, yeah, I mean we can talk about that, but since JavaScript is obviously becoming the focal point of our careers. There's always TXJS. I think that's yeah. what they called. That's in Austin. Yeah. I don't
0: know when it is. I don't know either. I think it's like mid-year. I think it's somewhere around June or July, isn't it?
1: I don't know. It seems May like May or something. Uh,
0: yeah. I, I remember looking at, I think I remember looking at that one last year and I think it was around May, June.
1: But yeah, the, the Java Posse roundup morphed into the WTF conference, uh, mm. the Winter Tech Forum. Uh, I always enjoyed that. I used to go to that. Um, let's see. You got... Uh, Code Mash up in is that Ohio? Yeah. It, up in Sandusky at the big, um, huge, actually, that's a big family thing. You can take your whole family and there's events during the day and stuff for the family and kids. Oh, cool. Uh, there's Strange Loop, which I've, I, so I haven't been to Code Mash, but I've always heard good things about it. Um, there's Strange Loop, which is pretty hardcore programmer stuff. I don't know, there's a bunch. Yeah. We should find one. Uh, what about the Texas? Is isn't what do they call it? I think they call it Texas Dreaming. The Salesforce new isn't there a
0: new Salesforce Texas there is. conference?
1: Yeah, but it's, we it's but you're, you're, the whole point is to do something that's not Salesforce, not tied to Salesforce. Yeah, let's let's have yeah. some
0: different experiences. Let's let's grow. <laughs> yeah, it's hard when you have a family. I've, I've noticed it is, but I mean, it's our career. We got it make is
1: time. that's true. Right, got to make time for this. And it's tax deductible. You're
0: right. So, <laughs> so maybe we'll find one, and then maybe we can. You know, let people know where we're going to be at, and if you're in the area, you can come, right, and join us. Yeah, that'd be cool. All
1: right, John, you done? I think I'm done.
0: You done? Yep. Nothing for next year, other than what we talked about. (laughs) On to that, I say, good day, sir.
1: You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.